Salutations. Welcome to Podmortem. I'm Renee Hunter Vasquez, joined as always by my co-host, my husband, and my brother. Hi, I'm John Paul Vasquez. Hi, I'm Travis Hunter. This week, we're recording live from the Silver Creek Lodge discussing the 1990 horror thriller, Misery. This film was directed by Rob Reiner with the screenplay by William Goldman based off the novel by Stephen King. Stephen King revealed Misery to be a deeply personal novel that he almost wouldn't allow to be adapted into the film, with the condition that he would only consent if the film was directed or produced by Rob Reiner, the film went on to become one of the most memorable and faithful adaptations of his work. Due in large part to an Oscar-winning performance from Kathy Bates, Misery brings the novel to life with masterful suspense. This film was recommended to us by friend of the show and when to go getter William Barry. William is an incredibly talented artist, so go follow him on his art Instagram at all.out.barry. Thank you so much, William, for your support and for the suggestion. So what did you guys think about Misery the first time you saw it? I remember seeing this when I was younger and uh, not that I didn't fully understand, but I was just like, she's crazy. You know what I mean? <laughs> she's she's I get you're his number one fan, but I was like, you're going a little over the top. <laughs> Um, watching it for the show, I still did enjoy it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But the first time I seen it, I was like, this motherfucker here. I was like, God, <laughs> man. <laughs> Poor dude, man. For real. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I honestly, I think that we we must have watched this as kids. A lot. A ton. Yeah. But I feel like as an adult, I rarely watch it. Right. I don't. And there's really no reason for it. It's not like there's something about it that's just like, OK, it's small doses. <laughs> but I mean, it's probably one of the most suspenseful films. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe even one of the best thrillers I've ever seen. Yeah. And I think that it's got so many iconic moments mm -hmm. and it just makes no sense that I don't watch this all the time. It really doesn't. And in an odd way for being so kind of claustrophobic, it's pretty a comforting film. <laughs> you know what I mean? It. I mean, it. 90% of it takes place in one room. Yeah. That's pretty good. Did you do the math? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's, and it's different for Stephen King at this point in his career to write something like mm -hmm. this. Yeah. And I know that you had mentioned it being a personal story to him. I had read on Film School Rejects that it was a matter of Rob Reiner having already directed Stand By Me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That really gave him, because he said that's one of his favorite adaptations ever. Right. Rightfully so. And then this one became one, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think that he <laughs> he had been burned by The Shining, and I, that was very personal to him, too. Yeah. Now, when I say burned, I mean he didn't but like his, it. Yeah, in his I gonna... perception. Yeah, I yeah. fucking love The Shining, but he, he was not a fan. But Rob Reiner just seems to be able to tap into exactly what Stephen King wants. Yeah. And he had his own connection to it. I saw in a featurette that he had said that the same thing that Paul Sheldon as a character goes through trying to do something new, mm -hmm. he said was his entry into filmmaking after they had wrapped All in the Family. I didn't know he was a main, oh, he was a main cast member on All in the Family. Yeah. I did not know that. I, did, I don't think I knew that either. But then you go on the internet and he's just like young with a mustache and shit. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> but yeah, he was. But it was kind of the same thing that Stephen King was doing when he's trying to branch out from, sh well, was it Eyes of the Dragon? Yeah. Because mm -hmm. um, it's a good book. It's a really good book, it's but it's a book. fantasy book. And so he came out with that and people were like, uh, what the fuck is this? It's mm -hmm. great. And so, <laughs> it, I mean, it is really good, but it's not. When, it's not. It's not what you're expecting not. when you see Stephen King on the cover. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's that was a big like wrestling with him because he's like this. I wanted to write this, but y'all just really want yeah. me 
to stay in this box and just keep scaring you in a way that I that with you're used to me scaring with the lamp with the <laughs> lamp monster. Yes, it's such a now here. This is making no sense. I was going to say it's such a faithful adaptation, but I have not read the book. <laughs> <laughs> but I heard from you that it was, it is. and I trust <laughs> your opinion. It it is a it is a faithful adaptation as far as like a lot of the dialogue is directly lifted, right? Mm-hmm. But in the back half of the book when shit starts getting crazy the book is a lot more gruesome and a lot more cruel to paul sheldon and yeah. we'll, we'll point it out as we go along because i was like god damn <laughs> i heard her listening to something and I was, like, oh, yeah. I was like what the fuck and the only reason i knew it was misery was because i heard the names oh fuck. and i was like what the, like, fuck, what the fuck is, is happening, happening? Yeah. I have some notes on why they decided to change it. Okay. I don't know everything that was changed, yeah. mm-hmm. but I have it from, like I guess, the filmmaker's perspective. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's funny to me because in the world of Stan Twitter, like, Annie doesn't seem that bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really love this movie. I've seen it. I don't even know dozens and dozens of times. Mm-hmm. It's funny because Ari has been asking us to do this one yeah. because she loves this movie. <laughs> um, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. When I was doing it, she, she sat on the couch yeah. and she started yeah. on her tablet. Then she got off her tablet. Then she laid next to me and was, watching. <laughs> I was yeah, like, she right. really likes misery. A couple years ago, she wanted to watch Stephen King movies. Mm. And I'm like, you know, you can't, I can't show her everything. Yeah. I was did like, you have to wipe a tear? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I did. I needed to compose myself, but misery was one that was okay. Right. Um, I mean, it's still, you know, disturbing and upsetting, yeah. but, but it's not in that way. It's not on a 10. Right. Yeah. And she loved it. Mm-hmm. Like she loved it. And so, yeah, she'll, are y'all going to do misery soon? Are y'all going to do misery soon? So Ari, we're, we're doing yeah. misery. I was glad to watch it again because the last time we watched it, I was distracted because I was working on a news package for school mm-hmm. and my partner texted me while we were watching it. I remember. And said that her laptop fell off of her fucking desk and the project was lost. Yeah. And so I'm watching Misery, but I'm like, my fucking grade? Yeah. You're watching Misery, but you're feeling Misery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I do want to point out, though, is while this is very very faithful mm-hmm. um to the novel a big part of the novel was addiction and i mean we'll get into why paul is needing pain medication right. uh-huh. um but he full-blown gets addicted to it and it awakens an addiction that he had prior uh. and stephen king i'm sure as everyone knows was an addict well, i was gonna ask is this was a drug addict yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, and so Annie Wilkes not only personified that fan that only wanted him to do what they're used to right, him doing, right. she also personified addiction and how the addiction would keep him and help him stay alive, right, but it right. was also destroying him. Yeah. I saw your wheels turning as to not spoil anything. I'm trying to <laughs> Now, before we hobble this film, we would like to issue a warning for spoilers. Podmortem is a very in-depth podcast, and in thoroughly discussing horror films, we have no choice but to spoil a thing or two. If you don't wish to be spoiled, please go watch the film, then come back and enjoy the show. If you've already seen the film or don't care about spoilers, then let's start typing. The film opens with a close-up on a Lucky Strike cigarette sitting next to an unlit match. The sound of a typewriter is heard, and we see someone unfocused in the background just typing away. There's an empty champagne glass and a chilling bottle of Dom Perignon. 
On the paper, the words without it, what else was there, are typed. Finished, Paul Sheldon, played by James Caan, plucks the paper from the typewriter and looks it over. He writes the words, the end, at the bottom in pencil before adding the final page to a stack of manuscript titled, Untitled. So just a couple things here. Mm-hmm. First of all, Lucky Strike. It's, yeah. It's toasted. It's toasted. <laughs> um, <laughs> second of all, you mean to tell me that in a film based on a Stephen King novel, our protagonist is a writer? I know. He mm-hmm. really he really went out <laughs> went to the deep end. For well, you life. did say he was trying to try new things. He was. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, we can talk here a little bit about the casting of James mm-hmm. Caan. Yeah. Because he was last in a very long line of people who were approached mm-hmm. and immediately said no. Um, <laughs> and I mean, there's a lot of them. I have a few written down, but it's literally not even all of them. It's kind of ridiculous to me because from what I read, it seemed that people were saying no because they felt like they were going to be playing second fiddle. Yes. Right. Which is a really bullshit reason to turn down a role, I think. Yeah. It said that they were leading men being asked to play second to... I don't want to say a woman, but I mean that's it, what that, it is. That's what it is. But you're, I mean, you're on the screen all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, even if you're playing support, who gives a shit? You're on the screen the whole time, and yeah. you're the main protagonist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? you are the protagonist. Yeah. yeah. But I, I don't know if it's the, and we'll get into Paul's not really up and running around a lot, yeah. <laughs> um. So I don't know if it's being stationary i don't know right. if it's because kathy bates is the fucking star like, oh absolutely she's yeah yeah perfect in this and so maybe it's well nobody's gonna be looking at me i don't know but i <laughs> but don't we are yeah <laughs> yeah we are. we are we are and the list of actors it's, it's yeah. insane it's upsetting to think that they would think like that yeah i would like to think that they just didn't want to be in a bed for 15 weeks the one right we'll just say that <laughs> the one that had a different reason for saying no was jack nicholson yeah because Jack Nicholson was approached mm-hmm. and he said no because A, the experience with Stanley K- K- Kubrick, Kubrick, however you want to, <laughs> you know, however you want to say it, the experience making The Shining and B, making The Shining and then Stephen King being like, that yeah. fucking sucked. <laughs> I'd be so, I'd be like, I don't, don't even bring yeah. me. Yeah. So he, he was like, no, no, thank you. Like, <laughs> so he, he like, had an excuse. He had a, yeah. and I, you can't even be mad at him for right, it because right. it's like, okay. Yeah. I know that James Caan temporarily retired from acting. I read 82 to 87. Mm-hmm. He was going through it with like some family stuff. Mm. I don't know the particulars of that. Right. But I do know that when he came back to acting, his star hadn't remained at the height that it was. Right. And so I don't know if maybe they were able to get him at a discount price. Right. <laughs> For that reason. For, yeah. And maybe that would be another reason that he uh, accepted when so many people declined. Right. Yeah. Because he, I don't want to say needed it. No. Yeah. But, but it, it but was. kind of needed it. Yeah. But just a few, because I just want everyone to imagine for two seconds what this <laughs> film would have been. Um, Robert De Niro. Hmm. Harrison Ford. Bruce Willis, Michael Douglas, Al Pacino, Denzel Washington, Morgan Freeman, and Mel Gibson, among many yeah, others. I and love, they all said no. I love those guys, but no. <laughs> we had talked about it a little bit the other day, me and you, but you had mentioned that if one, even one of the characters was different, it'd be a, an entirely it'd be a different, different movie. movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. The interesting thing about Bruce Willis is that he went on to star as Paul Sheldon on Broadway. <laughs> I want to see it so bad because if, uh, if Bruce fucking know. showed up. Yeah. Well, I don't 
I mean, he phones it in these days. Yeah, I'm, it's listen. <laughs> <laughs> I've always, ever since I was a kid, loved Bruce Willis. I think it's baked in from being obsessed with Death Becomes Her when I was a kid. Uh-huh. But in the last year, I saw him at like a bodega or a Wawa or something, yelling about having to wear his mask. Uh, you taught me, or taught me, you told me that. <laughs> I taught a um, course on it. <laughs> he just has bald people like stand there when he's not in a speaking scene. Yeah. Um, Bruce, I'm really upset yeah. because I've been a fangirl for a very long time. But, but Lori Metcalf was also. That's why I want to say. So they're not even the same, like one's short, one's just a big guy, as long as they're bald. As long, it's like, just, just, as long as they're, he's like, just get the chrome dome from yeah, the back. Right, right. <laughs> it will be fine. It'll be fine. No one will know. <laughs> but anyway, Paul puts the manuscript in his bag, pours himself a glass of the champagne and lights the lucky strike. But outside, Paul wipes the snow off his car and throws a snowball at a tree before getting inside. Shotgun by Junior Walker and the All-Stars blares as Paul makes his drive down the mountainside. And we get the title, Red Against the White Snow, Misery. Now, before we do that, I do want to point out it's very important that he did strike that match with his hand. Yeah. And first of all, fucking cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a pretty cool trick. (laughs) But that is something that does come into play in the future. Yeah. But it starts to snow harder and harder as Paul makes his trip on a windy road. And he starts to lose control of his car. With the protective hand on his manuscript, he keeps it from falling to the floor as he tries to gain control of the car. But it's too late and Paul flies off the road and the car rolls. It flips over and over before finally stopping upside down in the snow. Now, this is a sweet ass car. Yeah, it is. And um Maybe slow down a little bit, man. Yeah. I mean, I know he wasn't going too fast, but it the was fucking, snow is yeah. coming down. Yes. And the road. And you noticed that. I'm I, always scared when I see people driving on those yeah. mountain roads. It's yeah. like there's no, like you could just fucking fly. I mean, clearly well, yeah. you, just, <laughs> you just fly off. As demonstrated here. Yes. I think the thing is as well is that he's been coming to this lodge how yeah, often? I, and he's like just fucking slip sliding away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I read on Film School Rejects because they're like, we can't fucking throw this car 50 times. Uh, they had nine cameras set up to capture the oh shot. Oh, man. Well, so, I mean, yeah. Yeah, because they're like, we need one angle because yeah. fucking hell. <laughs> but it's tough. I mean, and it's such a hard thing. I've never driven in snow that deep. Yeah, and, and when you see a lot of times... Um I have never been like an adult in the snow like that up mm-hmm. north or wherever. And then, uh, but they usually don't have chains on their tires. Or I think a lot of times they do. And then plus, yeah. he's in a fucking sports car, dude. You really think that thing's <laughs> well, gonna have traction? He's like, let's see how fast I can yeah. take this thing. <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, John Klein from. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just had a quick note here that I thought it was interesting that in this moment of panic right like this isn't like a fender bender situation this is like i'm on an icy snowy road with no barrier like i could literally die Mm -hmm. he's still protecting his manuscript like that was still his first reaction i think but that's just him exactly and i think even in that moment that says a lot about him as a character right exactly and especially later and it shows how much this book means i feel like just in that split second you get a lot because mm-hmm. he didn't even have a seatbelt on, but he's trying no. to but protect. The manuscript, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but That's the manuscript the, did yeah. have a seatbelt on. <laughs> <laughs> but it cuts to Paul in his agent's office, holding the bag that he put the manuscript in. It's a little frayed and worn, but Paul calls it an old friend that he found while he was going through a closet. 
His agent, Marcia Sindel, played by Lauren Bacall, humors him and is like, well, yeah, it's got character. Yeah. I have to say I was very surprised to see Lauren Bacall. Yeah. She's a like golden age uh-huh. era actress. Worked with Humphrey Bogart. Was actually oh, wow. married to Humphrey Bogart. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't know that. She worked with Marilyn Monroe. She and like drop dead gorgeous. She, oh uh-huh. yeah. She hops on the screen in like the fifties, and you're like, hey, everybody, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren McCall's on, but like it's amazing to see her here. I wanted to know more about her casting. I couldn't find anything as to how you know that happened. Right, yeah, because right. it's honestly just and. She's credited special appearance by yeah. Lauren Bacall. Yeah. Nice. So I'm like, what yeah. is the deal? Yeah. But I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we could not find it. <laughs> but he tells her that when he wrote his first book, he used to carry it in this case while he was looking for a publisher. That was back when he was a writer. Marcia tells him that he's still a writer, but Paul says he hasn't been one since he got into the misery business. Marsha reminds him that it's a good business and it could still be growing. She reveals the cover for Misery's Child, which she says has the most ever for a first printing, over a million. He isn't trying to hear it, but she reminds him that Misery Chastain not only paid for his daughter's braces, she's also putting her through college. She bought him two houses and floor seats for the Knicks. And to thank her, Paul just goes and kills her. So that's a that's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. I do also want to point out that not, you know, read what you like, but these novels do look like shit. <laughs> they look like trashy They're, romance yeah, novels. Yeah. I mean, and for some people, that's the shit. Yeah. That's their bag. And for other people, it's just shit. Right. <laughs> but I mean, I feel like I imagine like we had said with Stephen King. Right. Wanting to write something that will be meaningful or different or yeah. take yeah. a, you know, go out on a limb, I guess, yeah. to say, right. on something new. I, I got, as I was watching, I was like, I imagine a lot of like sitcom writers probably feel like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they're like, you can only write so many mother-in-law jokes before you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels like he took pride in what he was doing and kind of fell ass backwards into this. And it was yeah. so successful that he was stuck. You can't stop. Yeah. He said two houses. Yeah. yeah. How the fuck I mean, are you going to. And braces. Those aren't cheap. Yeah, <laughs> it's more know. expensive than houses. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> But Paul admits that he never meant for misery to become his whole life. And if he didn't kill her now, he would have to keep writing her forever. He says he's going to Colorado to finish a new book. And if he can make that work, it might just be something he'd want on his tombstone. So I did not remember this being set in Colorado. No, me neither. Yeah. But the town that we are about to be seeing mm-hmm. in this film is Sidewinder, which is the town that was close to the Overlook Hotel. Oh, all right. So... Do they mention that it's Sidewinder in this film? Because I don't think they do. I think they do. I wasn't listening. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought it was interesting that, I mean, you take the film that he hated. Right. And then you give the film that he loved and then you kind of give it the same locale. Yeah. That's very interesting. That is interesting. I never thought about that. Almost like a do over for him. Right. But it's also weird because this was filmed in Nevada. Well, (laughs) (laughs) so I don't know what that's about, but there is a shining reference in the book, too. Hmm. But um, it's very in passing, like you could read right over it. But uh, we can't talk about it yet. Okay, I heard there's an it reference as well. Yes. Damn. I mean, it's Stephen King. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen King. Paul is Pennywise. (laughs) (laughs) That's the big twist. But abruptly, we are back on the side of the road. The snowstorm rages and Paul is upside down in the car, bloody and unconscious with his manuscript on his chest. A crowbar diligently tries to pry at the door until it opens and someone pulls Paul out of his car. They give him CPR until he gasps for air. 
I and I'm, I'm like, as I'm watching this, I'm like, T's gonna tell us yeah. everything that was done wrong. I wouldn't say that they gave him CPR. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> he just he was he didn't seem like he was uh, not breathing. He just seemed like he was hurt. Yeah, he just because so, he was literally cradling. Them. Yeah, it was, well, it's, <laughs> it's like he's moving, dude. I don't think you need yeah, to do I don't that. Think. Well, it's a good thing because I guess that CPR wouldn't have, wouldn't no, have saved him. It would have been <laughs> very ineffective, but. As I was watching it, I was like, ooh. Yeah. And then what we learned later, I was like, really? Yeah. 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 That's fuck. <laughs> but the person picks up the manuscript and carries Paul away until the snow is too thick to see anything at all. Through Paul's blurred vision, we see an IV and hear the words, I'm your number one fan. There's nothing to worry about. You're going to be just fine. I'll take good care of you. Finally, the voice sounds less echoey and more present as it repeats, I'm your number one fan. Paul looks over at Annie Wilkes, played by Kathy Bates, who smiles down at him. So first of all, that's terrifying. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's like, not something you want to hear. No, no. Not like the echoey, ethereal way uh, that yeah. they're saying. And she just comes into view. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. Oh my god! I know that's supposed to be nice, yeah. but n- not after this. Now that no. now that we know that it's Annie that was giving him CPR, um, in the book he. <laughs> He keeps making it a point to mention how bad her breath was. He's, he calls it like the smell of a rotting body in the oh, sun. Like, geez, yeah, he man. keeps talking about how her stank ass breath. It's yeah. like she she saved your life, man. Yeah, <laughs> maybe keep that to yourself. I don't. I of course want to talk about Kathy Bates. Of course, because this is her movie. Yes, ten out of ten for Kathy Bates. Absolutely. I read first of all, obviously she won an Academy Award. Right. Yeah. I've read conflicting things, but one of the things that I read was that she was the first actress in a horror film to win Best Actress. I read that too. Right. I couldn't find anything I to contradict find, that. No. Yeah. And I also read that this is the only Academy Award ever won for a Stephen King film. That doesn't. Si- what about Shawshank? No. That is fucking insane. Yeah. And so I was like, that's fucking crazy. Now she deserves it. Absolutely. But with there's been, I believe, by my count, (laughs) seven (laughs) thousand Stephen King films, so it's just hard to believe. But she was actually cast. I heard two stories. The first was that Reiner saw her in a play that his girlfriend was in at the time, and he kind of just couldn't get her performance out of his head well and wanted to cast her in this all right she met with him and from the meeting almost like we said with laura linney yeah on mothman just cast her immediately but i also read that william goldman the screenwriter was responsible for recommending to cast her well and then i also heard there's like 50 stories yeah. <laughs> because once a movie gets like 30 years old like everybody's got a fucking yeah. tale yeah. to tell but they had said that she was the only choice that they had in mind but then i also heard that bet midler turned it down yeah yeah and that jessica lang like there there was yeah. there was some like i think yeah. now look just because we love her in this and she's amazing in it you don't have to pretend you didn't try it to cast her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. i don't understand that well i think in that video we watched uh they said that bet midler late later was like that she regretted turning it down i, I bet I she did sure, yeah i would I yeah. mean, this is like, and I'm sure every actor on that yeah. list regrets it too. Yeah. I mean, when you have a long journey from Milan to Minsk, you have a lot of time yeah. <laughs> to think about your mistakes. It's like, man, I really fucked up back there. <laughs> <laughs> I saw on Entertainment Tonight that, not to tip the hand too early, but we know Misery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She had read a lot of books on Ted Bundy 
and psychopaths yeah. to kind of get into the mindset of what could, I don't want to say rationalize, yeah. right. but to humanize a lot of behavior. Mm-hmm. That's, in my opinion, what makes Annie Wilkes scary. Right. Because if she didn't have that dichotomy, it would just be like, oh, this bitch is nuts. Yeah, but yeah. there's this like duality and I, we can't talk too much about it right now. But no. And it could really very easily tip into over the top. Oh, for sure. If you get yeah. the wrong actress, you're like, this is the worst movie yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah. No, yeah. no, but you she, know? she oh, yeah. really is perfection in this. Mm-hmm. Like, And also she was like 42. She, I think she, she looks young yeah, as fuck. I was going to say, I did not think she was yeah. 42. No, I wouldn't think that. And it makes me feel good because this was her big break. Yes. And yeah. I, I'm 30. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like trying to do the math. I'm like, there's no way in hell. I feel yeah. like she looks super young. But she had been working steadily. Yeah. yeah. She was like a theater actress. Yeah. So. And then this became like. Yeah. She's can you just, imagine your breakout role being your Oscar winning yeah, role? No, yeah, no. That's got to be so validating though. Yeah. Good it's for just, her. Wow. We love you, Kathy Bates. Yes. Kathy Bates is a shit, but. Paul's bruised face is cut and he's barely able to ask how long he's been there, to which Annie replies, two days. She tells him that they're just outside Silver Creek and that he's going to be okay. She introduces herself and says that she's a nurse. <laughs> That's, That's where like, I'm No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when did your license lapse? <laughs> <laughs> she slips pills into his mouth and helps him take a drink of water and then it fades to black. Two days and she didn't give him any chapstick. <laughs> <laughs> Just rude, honestly. I could hear those lips. Give me the chapstick before the IV, please. Yeah, Jesus Christ. (laughs) But later we see Annie taking out Paul's IV and bandaging his hand. She tries to give him more pills, but he stops and asks what they are. She tells him they're novel for his pain, and he immediately takes them and thanks her after she gives him more water. There's no reason not to trust her, but... Yeah. Just the idea of being handed some pills and taking them. Yeah. <laughs> it feels very wrong to me. It, it, true, but the pain that Paul's in. Right. It's like. He's like, I don't care what it does. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Fuck me up. Down the hatch. <laughs> As she presses a cloth to his face, he asks her why he's not in a hospital. She tells him simply that the blizzard was just too strong and she couldn't risk trying to drive him there. She tried to call, but the phone lines are also down. Hmm. Sucks, man. Oh, yeah. When Paul winces in pain from moving his splinted arm, Annie tells him not to strain. He needs to rest because he nearly died. Paul closes his eyes and it fades to black again. This like whole like fade to black situation mm-hmm. reminds me of in the novel when he, he calls it the tide coming in. He's just fucked up. Yeah. Like he's high as fuck and just. So he's having a great time. Yeah, he's either in excruciating <laughs> pain or he's so fucked up that he's right. just sleeping. Like that well. sounds like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. But later, and I noticed we get an outside shot of Annie's house and it really looks like she's in the middle of nowhere. Like it looks like she's the house is completely by itself. I think that's one thing that they really capture here is this idea of isolation. Claustrophobia almost. Because the idea of being immobile in a stranger's house (sighs) terrifies me. Oh, yeah. yeah. And it only gets scarier. Yeah. I read that while they were filming, Kathy Bates was like, talking and hanging out with everybody less and less as the filming went on Mm. and rob reiner had to be like dude you know stop like you're not annie come on like Uh come with (laughs) us because she was like i mean this has got to fuck you up a little bit right there was a funny story i read i can't remember where but it might have been yahoo i think Mm -hmm. but 
there was a conflict between James Caan and Kathy Bates Mm -hmm. because of their rehearsal style. Right. They said that she comes from a theater background, so she wants to rehearse everything. He was kind of more of a seat of your pants situation. Right. And so they had to meet halfway. And and later on, he was like, well, she won the fucking Oscar, so maybe I should (laughs) (laughs) rehearse more. (laughs) Did you see the story about when he came... I saw a source that said hungover. I saw another uh, source that said drunk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I and heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> that his performance was so bad that Rob Reiner was like, we have to reshoot everything. Uh, there was something wrong with the tapes. Uh, and then James Conn found out it was because he fucked everything right, up. And right. so he paid for all the reshoots, which is like, on one hand, that's very generous. But on the other hand, it's like, uh, you kind of fucking better pay for the yeah. reshoots. I think it's right. very kind of Rob Reiner to make up the lie. Yeah. Right. I heard that Rob Reiner declined the payment and he just kept oh, going. Oh, well, then he offered to. Well, yeah. <laughs> the thought was there. Yeah. The, the, the it's the thought, thought that counts. That counts. <laughs> but back in the bedroom, Annie gives Paul more novel and some water. She promises Paul that his legs won't hurt forever. And when he's like, am I ever going to be able to walk again? She says he will and that his arm is also going to heal fine. His shoulder was dislocated, but she says that she popped it back into place, which just sounds horrible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't want any part of that. The thing she's most proud of, though, is the work that she did on his legs. She proudly pulls his blankets down to reveal them. She says that she could only use what was around her house, but a doctor couldn't have done any better than what she did. His legs are horribly bruised, broken, swollen. She has them bandaged and splinted. He winces away from the sight of them because they look horrible. And Annie's like, it's not as bad as it looks. Uh, (laughs) Those are my legs. Well, it looks pretty damn bad. (laughs) The thing that kind of, so only his lower body got hurt. His shoulder and his lower body, that's it. Well, his face was bruised. Kind of. I mean, <laughs> like, he looks bad. His, his lips were real chapped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's, never mind. That's yeah. the worst of it, yeah, actually. The crash did a number on his lips. But she tells him it's a compound fracture in the tibia of both legs and the fibula in his right leg. She says that she could hear the broken bones moving around. So it's best just to not move them at all. Good Lord. I know. Yeah. I'm like, ugh. Can she determine what bones without radiology? Uh, she's a nurse. Oh, okay. Right. Sorry. <laughs> Did you see her giving CPR? I mean, yeah, my bad. Come yeah. on, dude. Yeah. Credentials. You give two compressions. And then... yeah. <laughs> it was the 90s. Hmm. She says as soon as the roads are open, she'll take him to the hospital. But for now, he just needs to rest and recover here. She tells him that she's honored that he's healing in her home. But back in the agent's office, Marsh is on the phone with the Silver Creek police asking to speak to a chief or a sheriff. So I guess you're right. I don't think it is Sidewinder. Maybe it is just Silver Creek. I wonder why they changed it. Yeah, me too. Maybe because the Shining movie. I don't know. Stephen King's like, don't fucking. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, because I was reading and working on the script at the same time. So I think I got my lines crossed. Yeah, Yeah, but yeah, that is weird. Right. Right? Anyway. (laughs) The voice on the phone asks if she wants to speak to the chief or the sheriff. And then he's like, because I'm both of them. <laughs> I don't know why he yeah. would say that. Because like, he's adorable. I, I love this character. Yes. Uh, but just answer her question. <laughs> but we see the sheriff Buster, played by Richard Farnsworth, an old man sitting with his feet up on his desk. Did you say Farnsworth? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Professor Farnsworth. Yeah. But bad news, everyone. Right. <laughs> because... He starts to name off the rest of his credentials before introducing himself simply as Buster. 
Marsha tells him that she's Paul Sheldon's agent and she feels silly calling, but she thinks he might be in trouble. Sitting up now, Buster's like, Paul Sheldon, the writer? Once she confirms this, he's like, well, everyone loves those misery books. It's like, listen, dude. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Marsha says that he goes to the Silver Creek Lodge to finish his books and Buster confirms that he's been here for the past six weeks. Which is weird, because if you know he's here, why are you like, Paul Sheldon, yeah. the writer? And if he comes here all the yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Marcia says that's not accurate. The Lodge told her that Paul checked out last Tuesday. Buster's like, well, does he usually call you every time he checks out of a hotel? And Marcia says that he doesn't, but he hasn't even called his daughter, and that's weird. And he usually even keeps in touch with her when he has a new book coming out. I really like the fact that She's alerting them to this. Yeah. So mm-hmm. early. Yeah. I feel like in a lesser film, this would be the second act when they realize that for he's sure, that missing yeah. or something. Yeah. But she asked for Buster to tell her she's just being silly. He's like maybe overprotective, but he'll put Paul's name through the system and he'll let her know if anything comes up. By putting his name through the system, Buster literally writes Paul Sheldon on a post-it note and sticks it to his wall that already has a lot of stuff <laughs> stuck to it. <laughs> <laughs> I respect this because this is my system, (laughs) but it's just this small town. Yes. You know, I love it. As he's talking, his wife, Virginia, played by Frances Sternhagen, brings him coffee. I've already sang this woman's praises. Mm -hmm. I fucking love her. Also, seeing her in this and then seeing her in The Mist, she looks the fucking same. She does. I was trying to think it was... What, 14 years yes. later or yeah. something? 17 years? I'm like... I thought she was going to bring him a can of peas. <laughs> <laughs> Throw him a can of peas. Well, we yeah. said the same thing about dude because he's an James elf. James Conn, yeah. yeah. Oh, he looks right. the same. Between this and elf, he does look uh-huh. the same. That is crazy. But Marsha thanks Buster and they get off the phone. Virginia's like, wow, busy morning. You got a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> he asks her when the blizzard was and she replies that it was last Tuesday. So that's already... Yeah. Bing, red flag. Their relationship is adorable. It's yeah. so, and this is not in the book at all. It's not? No. All right. Well, I, I do enjoy that. Yeah, they're yeah. fucking adorable. I think that having this relationship allows you... I don't know what Buster's like in the book. Mm-hmm. He's not. Oh, well, then never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that them seeing them together gives you more of a reason to feel and root for him. Yeah. Right. So everything that transpires is way more effective later. Yeah. Definitely. But back in the bedroom, as Annie shaves Paul with the straight razor, he's telling her that it's a miracle that she found him. But she's like, well, not really, because I was kind of following you. That this I'm is already I'd, be, <laughs> I'd already be scared. But she says that she knew he was staying at the lodge because she's his number one fan. Sometimes she would even just drive out there and look up at the light in his cabin and imagine what was going on in the room of the world's greatest writer. So she says it all so sweetly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is a massive red flag. Yeah. Huge red flag. It honestly also makes you kind of question your own fandom. You're like, God damn, would I? <laughs> yeah. Am I? <laughs> Dude, if Stephen King, I, I'm, yeah. I'm not gonna lie. If Stephen King was in the hotel up the street. Yeah. Wouldn't I don't be? know. <laughs> uh, like that light means he's writing. <laughs> <laughs> That's the rat light. Yeah. I don't know. Why did you take on that? Because <laughs> I'm a bumpkin to oh. him. <laughs> <laughs> but Paul is super cool about it. And he's like, repeat that last part about the world's greatest writer. Like, yeah. But she's also shaving his throat with the straight razor. So That's maybe true. playing it cool is the smart thing to do. 
But she tells him that that day she was on her way home and she saw him leaving the lodge. She wondered why such a literary genius would be going out when there was a storm coming. But Paul's like, I didn't know about the storm. That's her way of calling him stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch, I thought you were smart. But Annie says that luckily for him, she did. And that's why he's alive now. Now he can write more books. She tells him that she's read everything he's ever written, but the misery novels are her favorite. She knows all eight of them by heart, which is a lot. Yeah. (laughs) That's a lot. It's not an album. (laughs) Yeah. She finishes shaving and he asks her when the phone lines will be back up because he needs to call his daughter and his agent to let them know that he's alive. Annie says it should be soon. Once the roads open up, the line should be back up. And if he gives her their number, she'll keep trying them. He thanks her and Annie pauses before she leaves the room. She tells him that she noticed that there's a new book in his bag and she shyly asks if she can read it. She nods in understanding as Paul tells her that no one can read his book at this stage except for his editor, his agent, and anyone who saves him from freezing to death in a car wreck. It's like, oh, you. (laughs) Annie lights up. She grabs his bag and thanks him. He winces in pain and she tells him that she'll get his novel. His pain comes back like clockwork and she apologizes for prattling and making him feel all oogie. <laughs> Annie just makes up words. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's interesting too because in the novel as it progresses, Paul like in his inner dialogue mm-hmm. will start being like oogie. Like he'll say, yeah. he'll say Annie words while he's, it's just interesting. She goes to get his medicine and asks what the book is called. He says he doesn't have a title because he doesn't even know what it's about. He says he's only been writing misery for so long, but maybe she can read it and then tell him what it's about. Maybe she can even help him come up with the title. Annie, thrilled, comes back with his medicine is like, like I could do that. She's sweet as pie. That's Uh, (laughs) right now. uh, now. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the thing about her performance is that she can just turn on a dime. That's what makes it scary. When somebody, I always think of... um, Tuco from Breaking Bad yes. because like you don't know if something's going to make him laugh or if he's literally going to take out his gun and right. shoot you for and it, you could do the same thing two days and get two different reactions yeah. like that makes the character scary I the, don't know why Annie Wilkes and Tuco it's the same yeah. thing <laughs> Tuco Salamanca the wild card exactly that's what but Annie like it's a whole new level to her right because if you didn't know any better there are times when she shouldn't be scary at all yeah. and that's what makes it scary if that makes sense that makes sense I believe in you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but we see Buster speaking with the owner of the Silver Creek Lodge, Libby, played by Graham Jarvis. Libby explains that he could tell by the champagne that Paul Sheldon checked out. He always orders a bottle of Dom Perignon right before he checks out. Buster asks if there are any long distance calls from Paul or anything out of the ordinary. Libby says that famous people like Paul don't like things to be out of the ordinary. Everything is the same for Paul. Even his 65 Mustang, the same car he makes the trip up here from New York in every single time. He goes on that Paul is a great guest. He never makes noise or bothers anyone. They both express that they hope nothing bad has happened to Paul. And Libby reassures Buster that he's sure Paul is pulling into New York in that Mustang right now. Buster's like, yeah, me too, and leaves. Yeah. So for a potential victim of something, yeah, having a routine is brilliant. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. Now for being a potential killer or whatever, yeah. your victim having a routine is terrible. No. Yeah, not, not, not as good. But back at Annie's house, Annie is quietly feeding Paul soup before speaking up. She tells him that she's only 40 pages into his book, but... 
She refuses to give her criticism until Paul explicitly asks for it. She tells him that it's brilliantly written. She just can't stand the swearing. It has no <laughs> nobility. Paul explains that the kids he's writing about are slum kids. And as a slum kid himself, he knows that that's just how they talk. Annie immediately gets upset. She asks him what he thinks she says at the feed store. Give me a bag of effing pig feed or bitchly cow corn. That's not even <laughs> no, no one says that. <laughs> She asks if she goes to the bank and says, here's one big bastard of a check. Give me some Christing money. She's screaming at this point and <laughs> spilling soup on Paul's blanket. She notices and yells at him. See what you made me do? This is the first moment of, oh, fuck. fuck. Yeah. I, <laughs> the only note I have here is Paul's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was just, I was like, that's not normal. No. Rest like, no. in peace, yeah. Paul. <laughs> I think the thing about her is that I don't is she's trying is she saying that she was also a slum kid and she doesn't talk like that? No, I think she's I'm just like, saying no, no one yeah. talks like that. But we're talking about slum kids. <laughs> Specifically. We're not yeah. talking about you. Yeah. But she comes back to herself, profusely apologizing. She explains that she gets too worked up sometimes and asks for his forgiveness, which he does give her. She looks down at him and says, I love you, Paul. He just stares at her. She clarifies. Uh, she loves his mind and his creativity. Then she just leaves the room yeah. and Paul looks confused. So there's a lot of times where the camera presses in real close. Yes. Yeah. Kathy Bates in an interview with Vanity Fair mm -hmm. had said that the camera operator was really cute. <laughs> and so she was really <laughs> acting to him oh, a lot of the time right. <laughs> and not James Caan. Wow. So she said that he made it easy to say stuff like that. Well, she's oh, mad wow. at James Caan. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I, what you had said about their rehearsal stuff, I read that Rob Reiner was like, because she had come to him about it and he was like, no, use that. Yeah, Being man. Being mad at him. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's smart. And they're well, going to get James Caan yeah. killed. <laughs> So in the sheriff's like vehicle thing, you can't say police car because <laughs> it's I, that does not look like a police car to me. Well, he's the sheriff; it's his car. I yeah. Mean. All right, in in this car, Virginia's <laughs> driving as Buster drinks his coffee. With a smile, she leans over and rubs his knee, but he tells her that when she's in this car, she's not his wife; she's his deputy. He takes her hand off his knee and puts it back on the wheel. She laments that this deputy would rather be home under the covers with the sheriff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go, lady. I love her. <laughs> She's getting, trying to get frisky. <laughs> I respect it. I did want to call out the nature shots. Right. Yeah. There, I never grew up around. We It snowed some no, in Germany, yeah. but no, right. nothing like this. But I wanted to call out the director of photography is Barry Sonnenfeld, he worked as a cinematographer for the Coen Brothers. Mm -hmm. Oh, shit. Penny Marshall. Wow. Who I believe was married to Rob Reiner at uh -huh. some point. And this was actually the last film he was the cinematographer for because he went on to become a director. Oh, shit. And he's known for the Men in Black series. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. Just wild, right? <laughs> nice. That's crazy. But suddenly Buster spots something and yells for Virginia to stop the car. She does, and they go outside to investigate. Buster spotted a tree with a broken limb. And while he admits that it could have just been a rotten limb or the wind, he half slides down a snowy slope to investigate it further. There's nothing below but snow and trees. When Buster's body sinks waist deep into the snow, he and Virginia lovingly snap at each other and Buster just gives up. He heads back up the slope, but we can see that just behind him, hidden under a mound of snow, peeks out the tire from Paul's overturned Mustang. 
it upset me that he didn't see that. It was so uh, close. <laughs> yeah, like very close. He probably expected to find a, what, corpse-sickle, I yeah. believe? <laughs> that's the, yes, that's the clinical term. Very good. When he goes back up to the road, Virginia asks him if he really thinks Paul is out there. Buster's like, I hope not, because if he is, he's dead. He suggests that they go to the newspaper office. As they get in their car, Annie Wilkes drives past them, heading in the opposite direction. So I do want to say that the music cue tipped its hand mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a little early because that was the villainous. That's yeah. the only word I can <laughs> describe it as. Back at Annie's house, Paul wakes up to the door handle in his room slowly turning. Annie steps inside saying that she hopes she didn't wake him up, but she's in very high spirits as she shows him the copy of Misery's Child that she just bought in town. He says, the roads are open then? And she's like, oh, uh, just the one to town. That doesn't make any sense. Red flag. She says that she got through to the hospital and talked to the head orthopedic surgeon. Because they just usually answer their phone. (laughs) She says that she told him what happened and who Paul was. And the surgeon told her that he's fine as long as there's no infection. They'll send an ambulance for him as soon as the road to the hospital is open. It's funny because it's like, is this like Sim City? Like there's one road to the hospital, one road to the... It's just funny. I was like, clearly she's lying. Yeah. The hospital's not in town. Yeah. Like, so the road to town is fine. The city there's planner. A, <laughs> there's a separate road to the hospital. I want to have a talk with them. <laughs> Paul's like, so the phones are working then. Annie says that hers is still out, but the one in town is working. See, this is what happens when <laughs> yeah. you're lying. You're a terrible yeah. liar. <laughs> and you're perceptive as Paul because he's like, I'm sorry, each thing that you're yeah. describing. Yeah. You went to town, the roads are open. You called the surgeon. The you called are- someone. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> But she says that she even called his agent. She sits next to his bed and tells him that she peaked and the first page is amazing. Reading Misery's name is like getting a visit from an old friend. As she's gushing, Paul's trying to tell her that his daughter's going to be freaking out. He was supposed to be home in time for her birthday and her birthday is today. And he's no longer gushing. She closes the book and tells him that his editor said she would call his daughter, but he's going to have to wait until tomorrow to talk to her himself. Why? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, my phone will be back on tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she starts to leave, but stops at the doorway to turn around. She tells him that he's a poet and then finally leaves. I really feel like she was like, no, but this is great. Like she thought the flattery was going to distract uh-huh. her. And he's like, no, dude, like I need to talk to my daughter. He's like, I know what this is for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not the same <laughs> for me. Later, Annie sets down a tray in front of Paul. It's scrambled eggs with tomatoes and peppers, ham, toast, potatoes, applesauce, juice. I don't know why I detailed the whole meal. I think maybe I was hungry. (laughs) But she she calls it her specialty, scrambled eggs a la Wilkes. Are you drooling? (laughs) (laughs) Can we just take a five minute break? (laughs) She tells him that she's on page 75 and says that she can't think of any words to describe it. She asks if great is insulting and Paul's like, I can live with great, but that's not good enough for her. And she settles on perfect. His book is a perfect, perfect thing. She leaves him to eat. Lucky. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> So he knows what's coming in this book. Right. He wrote it, obviously. I, I would. Oh, Are you. Yeah. In your mind, do you think that she is going to love it because you wrote it? Or is she so in love with this character that she's going to fucking hate you? Yeah. Yeah. Like, aren't you worried? Because he doesn't read as worried at all. No, he doesn't. At this point, I think it almost feels like a toss up. 
because right. the way that she's fangirling over him. Yeah. But she's also said that these are her favorite books. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. I'd be sweating. No, I'd, I'd be, be worried. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Later, the door slowly opens to Paul's room and in walks a pig. She uses her front legs to lean on the bed and examine Paul sniffing and snorting. Annie walks in announcing that it's time the two of them met. She introduces her favorite beast, Misery the Pig, played by Misery the Pig. <laughs> <laughs> he reacts to the name and she's like, I told you I was your number one fan. She says it was dreary here with just her, cows, and chickens, but Misery changed everything. Paul tells her Misery's a fine pig, but clearly he's not into, again, what this is doing for you. <laughs> not doing for me. Nobody loves your pig like you love your pig. I no. know. <laughs> but the pig was the last thing I expected to see. Yeah, well, the yeah, way the door was, opened. Yeah. A little weird. <laughs> the pig turned the knob. But... <laughs> Hey, at least the pig was clean. True. You know what I mean? It was clean. He wasn't surprised either. No. He was just like, what else? Cool, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Phones don't work, fucking pig. <laughs> Whatever. Run around freely. <laughs> and is that an oink? Is that the noise? Because that does not sound like an oink. It's snorting. Yeah. Well, those speaking spells <laughs> fucked up. That's all I'm trying to say. But Annie tells him that she's on page 300 now, and it's better than perfect. It's divine. She can't think of the name, but finally identifies the Sistine Chapel and Misery's Child as the only two divine things ever in this world. Are you going to play? <laughs> <laughs> well, You're already making a thing. She uses a word that she does. I was like, is this Mac from Sunny? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, God damn. Yeah, I yeah, was... <laughs> On top of everything, she's also racist. It's <laughs> like fuck. Yeah, why not? Like, what the fuck? Isn't that crazy? She uses the N word in the book. Well, fuck. One time, but yeah. Well, she. Stephen yeah. King has uh, a weird. He's, he's on the line. He's got a weird relationship yeah. with the uh, N word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't get it. Sometimes he'll pop it in there. Just I don't know. Yeah, I don't. He's like, I was a slum kid. Fuck it. But she snorts at Misery until Misery runs out of the room and she playfully turns back and snorts at Paul before running out herself. She's having the time of her yeah. life. Yeah, don't oink at me. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a lot. Later, Paul lays in bed as Annie stares out the window. She quietly says that she wasn't prepared when her husband left her and she thought she might go crazy. Paul offers her understanding. She tells him that she got through it by diving into work day and night and nights can be lonely in a hospital. So she said she did a lot of reading and that's how she discovered misery. Misery made her happy and made her forget all her problems. And he had something to do with that as well. She says that she read them over and over. She only has two chapters left on misery's child. But when she finishes it, she's just going to start it over again. Paul lifts a container from underneath the covers and we see that he's been peeing into it while they were talking. Yeah. That <laughs> caught me off I was guard. Like, oh, okay. I do want to say, I don't remember if it's that scene before or this scene right now, but she compliments him again and he just goes, yeah, well, like he's yeah. already yeah. reached yeah. the point where well, I feel like the whole road to town and the phone thing that has to be a huge fucking like there's no you can't even be like, well, you know, like that doesn't no. even make no, sense. Yeah. You can't even give her the benefit of the doubt. Like this has got to be the point where he's like, I'm I might be in danger. Yeah. And you miss your daughter's birthday. Yeah. But Annie takes the container of pee away from him and gestures with it as she's like, I'm not yeah. against marriage, but it would take a special guy for me to do it again. She's like, yeah. like the bees <laughs> sloshing around. Please be careful with that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but she says that it all boils down to respect and no one respects marriage anymore. 
She tells him that she'd love to stay and chat, but she's got to find out what happens at the end of the book. And she takes off. I... <laughs> I was like, I really hope she doesn't round the corner and down that. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deleted scene. I was, <laughs> That's fucking gross. <laughs> I was like, please don't show me that. What are you going to do with that? <laughs> <laughs> I was eating dessert while I was watching it. <laughs> I was like, please don't, please don't. <laughs> like I was drinking lemonade when I was watching it. <laughs> You'll ruin it forever. <laughs> but that night, as Paul sleeps... Annie walks into the room and slams the door behind her, waking him up. She immediately starts with, you, you dirty bird. It's like, oh, Oh, fuck. She's she's big mad. (laughs) She tells him that Misery Chastain cannot be dead. He tells her that in 1871, women died in childbirth all the time. But the important thing is that her spirit lives on. Annie begins to scream, lifting up the bed and slamming it down and she tells him that she doesn't want misery's spirit. She's got Belial energy. (laughs) 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 And I'm afraid. (laughs) She says that she wants misery and he murdered her. Paul is just writhing in pain. His body's broken and she's just slamming his bed. But he tells her that he didn't kill her and she demands to know then who did. He's like, nobody did. She just slipped away. She screams at him that Misery didn't slip away. He murdered her. She grabs the stand that a vase is sitting on, causing the vase to fall and break on the floor. But she raises the stand over Paul's head and he tries to defend his face with his one good arm. But instead of hitting him, she breaks it against the wall over his head. She tells him that she thought he was good, but he's not. He's just another lying old dirty birdie and she doesn't think she better be around him for a while. She starts to leave, but she stops when she gets to the door. So I do want to, of course, call out the shot of the moon before this scene starts. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very easy to please. I love that shit. But this is a lot very soon. Yes. Right. And of course, as we learned, he did gamble and lose. She did not like me. She didn't. (laughs) She didn't. But it also proves because he did have an excuse queued up. Right. He's like, but her spirit lives on. Don't yeah. <laughs> Please don't hit me with the vase or whatever. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. I just think that she's really tipping her hand already. Right. And yeah. he is having to take a defensive posture. Yeah. Right. So it's like about to be, this is never going to be what it was. Oh, no. Yeah. There's no coming. <laughs> There's no coming no, back from no. this. But what can he really do? You know what I mean? He's just kind of stuck there. Yeah, he's fucked. And bad. It's yeah, like, and the fuck. condition that he's yeah. in. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, just kick my ass. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, shit. Kick my ass. I, dude. Something. It, put me back in the snow. Yeah. Like, yeah, come on. <laughs> he's, he's, so, he's so fucked up that it will hurt him more to defend himself, yeah. I think. Put me back where you found me. Yeah. <laughs> but she stops at the door. She turns back to tell him, don't think about anyone coming for you. She says, not the doctors, not his agent, not his family. She never called anyone. No one knows he's here, and you better hope nothing happens to her, because if she dies, he dies. She leaves, closing the door behind her. Paul watches from the window as Annie just fucking drives away. (laughs) (laughs) I've noticed that's something that happens a lot in this film. She's like, bye. She she shows her ass a little bit, and she's like, I need to breathe her. (laughs) Maybe that was a little too much back there. But just this moment of her being like, look, the whole charade, fuck that. No one knows you're here. Yeah. That, oh, it's just chilling. And there is no going back, period. No. 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 You can't be like, nah, yeah, just kidding. Yeah. yeah. The, the road to the hospital still yeah. icy. <laughs> it's like, no. No, you I just don't believe you. Yeah. gave it all away. <laughs> 
But Paul looks around the room frantically before finally trying to get out of bed. He braces himself with his good hand on the floor and struggles to pull the rest of his body out. When his legs hit the floor, he screams. He could not have taken that fall worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Really he's like now i'll just it's <laughs> 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 like my legs will take the brunt of it it'll be fine it's not like they're twisted and broken yeah. oh, no. be fine. but he slowly and agonizingly pulls himself to the door he reaches up and turns the knob but it's locked at buster's desk in the sheriff's office he speaks to marcia on the phone as he looks down at a small article in the newspaper titled where is paul sheldon he tells her that there's no reason for her to come here. They're working closely with the state police. And now the FBI is involved. As soon as they know something, he'll call her and she can call him anytime she wants. He gets off the phone at a separate desk. Virginia ends another phone call. She tells Buster that there's no activity on Paul's credit card after paying at the Silver Creek Lodge. He says that no one has called about the article they ran on Paul either. So if you're Buster, it's going to be a recovery. Yeah. Right. Well, he's like, if he's out there, yeah. he's dead. Because I, I mean, mean, yeah, living people buy things <laughs> <laughs> typically. Yeah, I'm no detective. Or <laughs> In the morning, Paul wakes up to Annie calling him a poor thing and asking what he's doing on the floor. These mood swings, yeah. man. Yeah, that's it's so scary because she's like, oh, she apologizes, telling him that if she had a proper hospital bed, this never would have happened. Paul is lying directly next to his bed now like he fell out of it. Causing great pain to him, she lifts him back into the bed, bringing his legs in after. She tries to reposition him, and he asks her to wait, but she calls him a crybaby and does it anyway. Now, she doesn't apologize for her behavior last night. Oh, no. No. She's like, my bed is not as good as it could be. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not fully equipped for this. (laughs) And that's where I failed. Yeah. (laughs) She tells him that she has a big surprise for him, but there's something he has to do first. He asks if he could have a snack while waiting for his surprise, but she tells him he has to listen first and then he can have whatever he wants. As she tucks him into bed, she admits that her thinking can be a little fuzzy at times. That's why she can remember everything when they put her on the witness stand in Denver. But now she's thinking clearly. It's like, you, what, what, yeah, <laughs> what was what? that last thing you said? <laughs> you cannot gloss over that. No. And there's a twinkle in his eye of witness stand. What the fuck did yeah. you just say? She says that she asked God. Now now I'm even more scared. And God told her that he delivered Paul to her so that she could show him the way. She wheels in an outdoor grill. And when she opens it, there are three things inside. Lighter fluid, a box of matches, and Paul's case. Now, when he was asking for a snack, I would have hoped that there was a burger under that thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> this like, is oh, much shit. worse. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, yeah. Damn, you're going uh, all yeah, out. Right. Hibachi grill. <laughs> <laughs> She's cooking at the yeah. bedside. Yeah. She's making up for the bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tossing shrimp into his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> when she takes out his untitled manuscript, places it on the grate, and pours the lighter fluid throughout the pages. He's like, I was thinking more of like a cheese and crackers yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> he says cheese and crackers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a child, so I laugh. <laughs> because accents that are different than mine, apparently. <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Uh, although I, I like that accent. Yeah. It's a cool accent. But she's like, Paul, this is no time for jokes. It's like, dude, yeah. don't act like what you're doing is not yeah. the worst yeah. thing ever. We get a close-up of her hands as she offers him the box of matches and a single match and tells him that he needs to rid the world of this filth. She knows it will be difficult, but it's for the best. He tells her, 
Actually, it's not difficult. There are dozens of copies. Every publishing house in New York has one. So he'll burn this if she wants him to, but it's not going to rid the world of anything. His bluff is so goddamn solid. It is. But he forgot that he's dealing with his number one fan. Exactly. She's like, then light the match if it's no big deal. And she offers it out to him again. He hesitates and she drops the charade. She knows this is the only copy. She tells him that when he was 24, he wrote his first book and he didn't make a copy because he didn't think anyone would take it seriously. But since they did, now he never makes a copy because he's superstitious. That's also why he comes back to write at the Silver Creek Lodge every time he finishes a book. And she knows this because he told that story on Merv Griffin 11 years ago. And then she offers him the matches again. Yeah. It's like... (laughs) I think I would just start crying. Yeah. <laughs> Annie, no, please. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best thing I've ever written. <laughs> hey, maybe not tell everybody what you do. Maybe. Uh, but I mean, God, what in what universe no, would know, you think that this know, sequence of events? Fuck. But it also, I mean, it speaks to all the interviews you have to do when you're famous. Yeah. yeah. All the shit that you share. You and don't then I'm sure think you about forget. it. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I wouldn't say that. I went to the Silver Creek Lodge. I'd probably no. just say yeah. A Lodge. <laughs> like, the same lodge. <laughs> and the address is. Yeah. Like, God damn. But poor Paul. He's like, look, no one ever has to read it. I'll just keep it for myself. No one will ever even know it exists. But Annie says that as long as it really does exist, his mind will never be free. That doesn't even make any sense. Nope. Yeah. She puts the match in the box on his chest. She asks him, can he see that this is what God wants? Since he's so brilliant, clearly he has to see that. As she's talking, though, she's splashing the lighter fluid all over Paul's bed. But like she keeps talking calmly like she's not doing that. (laughs) So but here's the thing, though. The first few spurts, it took me back to the piss. I was like, she just (laughs) (laughs) she she doesn't know how to gesture with fluids. No. And then the last few, I was like, those were deliberate. She walks all the way around his bed. Yeah, that's a problem. (laughs) It's clear if you don't. Uh huh. But in all fairness, just like this is his only manuscript of this, he's her only Paul. <laughs> right. She's well, not going to burn him alive. Yeah. Else this is her, this is her house, yeah. too. <laughs> I honestly would not put it past her. If I'm Paul. Oh, well. I'm not. You almost the, smashed a stand over my head last night. But she last didn't. Last night. Yeah. Because but, that brain wrote misery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But if she lights him on fire with that fluid, uh-huh. your whole house is going to yeah, go. Yeah, you're fucked. You're well, not putting that out. I don't know that Annie Wilkes is known for her logical thinking. <laughs> um, I don't know. I would still be scared. She's not going to burn him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, call her bluff. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Fuck me up. She called yours. Yeah, she did. Payback or turnaround. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She says that they're put on this earth to help people and she's trying to help him. She says, so please help me help you. She finally stops splashing him with lighter fluid and just looks at him. Slowly and sadly, Paul lights the match. She tells him that he's doing the right thing and he tosses it onto the grill. It bursts into flames. Annie innocently proclaims, oh my goodness, oh my. This is what I'm saying, like, you just fucking yeah. almost beat my ass. I mean, she kind of did beat yeah. his ass. <laughs> she did. When she's Belial shaking the bed and shit. Yeah. And then when she threw him in bed, she's like, with your punk ass. Yeah. <laughs> like, God damn. So she can be pretty brutal. And now you're talking about heavens to Betsy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, bitch, no. Honestly, you can't have it both ways. I if thought I'm, that was funny. <laughs> it was funny. <laughs> if I'm Paul, her reaction would piss me off more. Oh, yes, yeah. because oh, she's yeah. like, oh, no. Like, yeah. I'm just... This whole thing, I'm like, what the fuck? No, it's a lot. 
She just keeps innocently crying out as we watch Paul's manuscript curl up and burn. She bats the pieces of paper that have blown onto the drapes, still just like in disbelief that, mm-hmm. that this is happening. Yeah. She finally gets a bucket of water and puts out the fire. So I'm like, you, she was prepared. Yeah. She knew, yeah. you know, oh, he's burning the shit. Like she, she knew. She was never going to burn him alive. Maybe she was just <laughs> going to start burning him and then put him out with the water. Really? Just in case? Yeah. Like, and I can do that anytime yeah. I want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But we see the smoking and charred remains of Paul's manuscript as he stares emotionless. As Annie wheels the grill out of the room, they both pause at the sound of a helicopter. In the helicopter, Buster rides passenger as he points out the various properties to the pilot, played by Rob Reiner. How did I not catch that? I didn't either until I was looking through the... um, list of actors yeah. and it had him as uncredited as the pilot <laughs> like, that's hilarious. that is awesome his hitchcock cameo yes yeah. yes speaking of hitchcock there's a lot of hitchcock in this there is i read that he watched every single hitchcock film because he wanted this to be incredibly suspenseful right. and hitchcock knows his suspense right right so i you and the influence is is there i was mm. gonna say it shows there's yeah. a lot of Man, there's a lot of scenes that don't deserve to be as suspenseful as they are. Yeah, but yeah. don't deserve. <laughs> well, we'll get to them, and I'm like, why is this working? Like, it's it's incredible. But Buster points out the Wilkes farm right up ahead. He comments that her vehicle is no 65 Mustang and tells the pilot to circle back because there's nothing else here. It's like Buster always gets right up yeah. to the big clue, and then he's like, nah, let's just go home. Annie watches from the window as the helicopter flies away. Paul lays back in defeat as it goes. I'm sure he was like, <gasps> yeah. yeah, but no, it's it's gone. Annie remarks that the winters get shorter and shorter every year. And she asks Paul if he thinks it has something to do with the ozone layer. When Paul's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, it's just a theory. She gives Paul his novel, putting it in his hand this time instead of his mouth and wrestles the box of matches out of his grip. I... <laughs> Whenever she was talking about the ozone layer, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, they were talking about climate change in 1990? Oh, yeah. yeah. We had warning. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, we knew. <laughs> but I went to write it down, and I heard her say, here's your novel, but I thought she said, here's your novel. And I looked up, I was like, is she just <laughs> fucking throwing the ashes at him? But she wasn't. It was... Here's your novel. It's <laughs> like, God damn. She's giving him medicine. She's that's, a nurse. It's much better. But Paul is almost catatonic, not reacting at all during all of this. And Annie wheels out the grill with the useless remains of Paul's manuscript still sitting on the grate. Paul looks down at the two pills in his hand, but instead of taking them, he stashes them between the mattress and the box spring of the bed. Let's see, Plotin. (laughs) (laughs) But after all that, we cut to Annie laying in bed, smiling and watching the dating game. She's cuddling a stuffed pig and eating Cheetos with a huge bottle of Coke half empty beside her. Dude, the mullet on that guy on the TV. Yeah. I mean, it was the style at the time. God damn. (laughs) It's funny because she drinks Pepsi all the time in the novel. But here it's Coke. It's Coke. Oh. (laughs) She's upgraded. Uh, Yeah, apparently. Was it a two liter? Paul's like, now hold on. Yeah, and it was half drank. Oh, fuck. (laughs) She's going hard. Maybe a glass or so, but not like that. That's a lot. It's going to wake up with a tummy ache. (laughs) (laughs) But in Paul's room, he finishes his dinner before taking the fork from his tray and digging a hole into his mattress. He takes the two novel that were given to him with his meal and sticks them into the hole. I swear I thought he was trying to hide the fork. To like use I, as a stabbing yeah, instrument. Like she's she's I'm gonna like, know. She's Paul. really gonna yeah. notice that. <laughs> I did too, and then I was like, "Oh yeah, he's hiding the box." Like much better, much better. 
Later, Annie wheels Paul around in a wheelchair asking if this is nice. He sarcastically tells her that he's always wanted to see the other side of the room. Paul's fucking done. Yeah. And I respect it. Yeah. There, there's a scene later when he's really done and it makes me laugh out loud. <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about. <laughs> because the thing is, is that you're, this is risky behavior. Right. Yeah. Because she could just clock him in the back of the head because yeah. she's he already. Doesn't oh, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. care. We've already established that ev- this is the game now. Yeah. yeah. She gives him a present, an electric razor so that he can shave himself. And he remarks that if he knew he was going to get this, he would have burned all his books. And she's like, oh, don't poke fun. This is what I'm saying. Like, yeah. on, if he caught her on another day, she would have fucking busted his legs right, right. or something. Yeah, it's just, and that's what I'm saying is she's so unpredictable. Yeah. He's really risking it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> like, she's, <laughs> and she tries to compliment him. He does the fucking wank motion. Yeah. Like, I'm very, I'm very afraid for him. Paul. <laughs> yeah. Reel it in. <laughs> but she tells him that this is a very big day for him. She's got a big surprise for him, a new studio. She brings in a table and sets it up, telling him that writers need a place to work. He asks her what he's supposed to write, but she knows exactly. Now that his nasty novel is gone, he's going to go back to doing what he's supposed to do, writing Misery's Return. So that's the name of the novel? It's the name of the novel. Yeah. She came prepared. Yeah. I mean, it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> it worked for Batman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She brings in a typewriter and sets it on the table. Paul is incredulous and Annie explains. She knows that he didn't really mean to kill Misery and now he can make it right. This will be a book in her honor for saving his life and he's going to make her the envy of the whole world and she expects nothing less than a masterpiece. Annie's asking for a lot. That is a lot. (laughs) Usually you don't ask for things to be done in your honor. (laughs) It just kind of happens. Yeah. At not any, today at any point did you start to feel a little sorry for her at a lot of points i feel sorry for her because this was one of them for me but then you kind of have to be like well now hold yeah, on like, yeah. let's not let's not have too much sympathy here she did just burn his novel yeah i feel like she talked about and then i mean we're gonna find out a little later that annie's got a past right mm-hmm. but she talked about her husband leaving her mm-hmm. and she kind of says it you know just whatever and that she felt lost. And so she found purpose in these novels. Mm-hmm. And so almost, and maybe this is me doing too much, but it's like a reason for her to keep going is to keep reading it and seeing right. what's going to happen. And so for it to be over, it's like, well, why am I here then? But what's next? The Slum Kids. She yeah. doesn't like the Slum Kids. Or she doesn't know them yet. <laughs> yeah. Has, they have foul mouths. No. They're dirty birdies and she does not like them. But that's how I see it is that if misery's dead then i might as well be too because i have nothing else to look forward to but it's a book yeah but yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's more than that for her clearly like clearly it is i mean things end yeah yeah we could be on a turtle's dream in outer space (laughs) (laughs) my bet is that we are (laughs) but she wheels paul over to the table and he tells her that this is not the way books are usually written but she's like i have complete confidence in your genius since the table is by the window, he can use the view of her farm to inspire him. It's like, great. Thanks. Cool. She leaves and Paul notices a hairpin on the floor. He calls out that she doesn't get bothered by neighbors. And she's like, oh, no, you'll have complete solitude. Great. Yeah. <laughs> she comes in with printer paper and tells him that she got a great deal on the 50 pound typewriter. I was like, I thought it was funny that she mentioned how heavy it was <laughs> because it's missing an N key. And she told the saleswoman that N was one of the letters in her favorite writer's name. Paul's like, well, it's two of the letters in my favorite nurse's name. Annie. <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> you. <laughs> He's 
trying to play her like a fiddle. Yeah. yeah. Well, he sees. He's like, I need. Yeah. I want that hairpin. So uh-huh. she needs to stay focused on me. But she's thrilled and calls him a fooler. She asks if she did good, and he says that she did great. But the only thing is that he can't work on this paper. It smudges. If she goes back into town, she can pick him up the kind that he uses. Her entire face drops, and she rationalizes that this paper can't smudge because it costs the most. Paul demonstrates by putting the paper in the typewriter and typing the word smudge. He then takes the paper out and rubs his finger on it, causing it to smudge. Annie does the same thing, smudging it further, and she's like, huh, it does smudge after all. Like, his his fucking lying to you? What? She kind of seems in a daze. Like, something's off. Yeah. I feel like it's off because she feels like she failed. Yeah. Yeah. And so she's like, oh. Did I do good? Yeah. Dude, she is... I look. I That's need. A, I was gonna say that is a yeah. personality trait of mine because <laughs> I need constant reassurance, yeah. and then I'll ask again in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so seeing this, it's like she needs that, and the second she realizes she didn't do good, right? And there's no way out of that. Well, yeah. and you not, bought the wrong paper. Yeah. yeah, but she had no way of knowing. You bought the wrong paper. <laughs> <laughs> you fucked up, Annie. Fucked up, Annie. But Paul tells her that he wants her to be a part of all of this, not just the book itself, but also how it's written. And he's like. Thank you for thinking of me. Yeah. And she fucking flips the script. Annoyed, she asks him if there's anything else she can get for his crucial requirements while she's in town. A tiny tape recorder, a handmade set of writing slippers. Paul's like, just the paper, please. (laughs) (laughs) She angrily tells him that she'll bring back the whole story if he wants her to. Realizing that something has gone wrong, Paul asks her what's wrong. (laughs) I just love that he's still playing nice. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yes. baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, Why well, I don't think going the other direction. No, all part now. that's true. <laughs> she yells at him that she's gone out of her way for him to make him happy. She feeds, cleans and dresses him. And this is the thing she gets for getting him the wrong paper. <laughs> she's like, I drink your piss yeah. every night. <laughs> <laughs> she tells him she'll get his paper, but he better start showing her some respect. She picks up a pack of paper and slams it down on his broken legs before leaving the room and locking the door behind her. He didn't even do nothing. No. I mean, he, he didn't tell her to buy that paper. No. Paul's like, ah. He just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, I feel like that's, I know he's telling her whatever to get her to just kind of, you know. Yeah. But cool. but being like, if somebody was like, look, dude, I want you to know how this all works. I want you I to want be, you part, to be of part of it. Yeah. I wouldn't get mad. If, I would just be like, oh, okay, well, then I goofed. Let me go get the pay. I'm like, lady, you're. <laughs> she's she's yeah. something else. So two things. First, of definitely. Yeah. I agree with that. And you're his number one fan. So being a part of his creative process. You, yeah. You would think she would be like, oh, shit. Hell yeah. That's amazing. Paul yeah. should be like, well, my number one fan would know what kind of paper I use. <laughs> just saying. Just slides it towards this her. This is embarrassing for both of us. I think that she's doing a lot of things that she just for some reason expects him to forget or be cool with later. <laughs> you yeah. slammed a massive stack of paper oh, man. on my broken legs. <laughs> and when you get back from the store, I'm just supposed to be like, hey, Annie. <laughs> like, that's insanity. Yeah. Hey, girl, thanks for the paper. <laughs> this is the right kind. I like also that she calls him Mr. Man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it reminded me of that episode of Sonny where they kidnapped the critic. Yeah. That's Charlie kept calling him <laughs> Mr. Man. Yeah. I think that that might have been a reference that I did it not catch. Yeah. It had to be. But yeah, she uses it very meanly. <laughs> she does. But Paul c- cries out in pain, but he sees that Annie already is driving away, heading back to town. Yeah. 
He eyes the hairpin on the floor and using both hands because the bad one does seem to be getting better. He reaches it. He wheels himself over to the door and tries to put the pin into the keyhole. He drops it again. And when he tries a second time, he struggles. He mutters that he's written how to do this. And the lock finally pops open. He's like, it actually works. (laughs) And he wheels himself out of the room. It was almost like that was the secret password. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. He tries the front door, but it's locked with a key. I was like, I didn't know that you couldn't, like, you can't open this nah. front door from the inside without a key. I'm confused as to how she left. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, they have, it's just a lock on both sides with the key. That's yeah, there was no, like, turning crazy. thing. Yeah. He's like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> he wheels himself into the living room and immediately focuses on the phone. He reaches out to dial, but instead picks up the phone and looks underneath it. There are no insides to the rotary phone at all. It's just a shell. So I know this was filmed in Nevada. Is this a fucking nuke town where <laughs> everything is <laughs> goddamn? Up. I'm it's just props. Con- did she expect him to get out eventually? And so she gutted the phone. That's kind of what I I didn't. Like, who keeps a fucking empty phone like that? For what reason? Appearances, maybe. To who? For Nobody's who? going up there. Especially if someone's like, oh, I need to use your yeah. phone. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Or if it's just like, if man, Paul's going to be fucking mad when he sees this. I don't know. I don't know. That's just shitty. <laughs> I, I have no explanation. I searched high and low for this. When I kidnapped that motherfucker. Yeah. It's like, do, do you been waiting for this? I'm, or just, what? I'm very confused. Yeah, I don't know. Why have a phone at all? Yeah. <laughs> But in town, we see Annie leaving the store with the paper that Paul asked for, starting her car and driving back to the farm. Paul goes further into the living room. He goes past a small table with glass figurines and bumps it slightly. There's a penguin setting on the end, facing away from the rest of the figures, and it tumbles off the table. Paul, with cat-like reflexes, (laughs) catches it and puts it back, facing toward the rest of the figures. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) Yes. I know he's trying to get out, but man, in your condition, dude, don't uh, like, don't explore. Just look for a weapon and like go <laughs> no, back. He's like, man, like for real, I would be terrified. Nice to place, something <laughs> <laughs> See, in it, I swear to God, as he continues on, the further he gets away from the room, yeah. the more worried the I get. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I, that's the, the tension. Yes. You need to not be more than three seconds away yeah, from yeah. No everything shit. being back to normal. For me to be comfortable. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He sees pictures and a photo album that says Memory Lane before noticing Annie's misery setup. She has each of the hardback books displayed with an autographed photo of Paul right in the middle. He leaves the living room and nervously glances at the front door before taking a chance and checking in the laundry room. There are many containers and packets of medication. He takes a pack of Novril, carefully staging the pack behind it into the same position that the one that he took was. Very Mm -hmm. smart. Yeah, Yeah. I'm like, okay, Paul. As Annie's car makes its way down the road, Paul lets himself into the kitchen. He eyes the back door. Despite him trying and struggling, he can't fit his wheelchair through the kitchen door, so he painfully gets himself out of it. Annie continues her drive to the house as Paul crawls across the kitchen floor. He finally makes it to the back door, but of course it's locked. He sighs in defeat before noticing a knife block on the counter. With renewed purpose, Paul crawls for it. Annie pulls onto her property just as Paul is lifting himself back into the wheelchair. Annie gets the packages of paper and leaves the car as Paul wheels himself back into his room. She makes her way up to the house and Paul notices he left the living room door open and goes back to close it. 
She luckily drops a pack of paper and stops <laughs> to pick it up. And Paul finally gets back into his room. So this is an incredibly tense sequence. Oh, yes. yeah. I want to call out the editing. Yeah. Because the shots linger and are shown just right where they're meant to be. Right, yeah. right. And if one thing's a little too long or one thing's a little too short, the suspense is gone. Yeah. yeah. And so this is just perfectly paced. And just the pieces of Annie getting closer and closer yeah, and closer. Yeah. It's uh-huh. like, like I'm, I'm sweating. <laughs> Annie unlocks the door as Paul, completely drenched in sweat, locks the door back with the hairpin. He wheels back to the table, and just as Annie opens the door, I knew you were gonna laugh at this part. Sorry. And just as Annie opens the door, he notices a pack of novels sticking out of his pants. <laughs> he covers it with his arm, and with the pained expression on his face, as Annie tells him she got the paper he asked for, she's stricken by the sight of him noting that his color is hectic and he's dripping with perspiration. (laughs) She's like, what have you been doing? (laughs) I laughed even harder because he's drenched in sweat. He's got his hand over his crotch and he goes, what do you think I've been doing? (laughs) I was like, this is fucking (laughs) ridiculous. The way she says it, your color is very hectic. (laughs) She speaks. That's that's one thing I didn't want to point out is that she almost speaks like she's in a misery oh, novel man, right. that is a great right. point yeah and uh, it, it's it's one of those things that it's almost like her personality has been informed by the media she yeah. consumes right. yeah and that just shows how important these novels are to her but what have you been doing <laughs> <laughs> but paul tells annie that she knows damn well he's been sitting here suffering without his pills She's like, oh, you poor dear. It's like, you just fucking yeah. assaulted me before you walked out the door. You remember the pack of paper yes. yeah. you threw on my legs? But she tells him to let her get him back into bed and then she'll go get his medicine. He's like, no, I need my pills now. And then he begs her to make his pain go away. She tells him that it breaks her heart to see him like this. She leaves to go get the medicine. And in the moment that she's gone, Paul properly hides the pills. And then when she walks back in, he's like, oh, like, <laughs> he puts on the pain Getting face back again. into character. And I do want to say uh, just a little tease of what we learn about Annie later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe don't beg her to take your pain away. Yeah. Maybe. T- yeah. She returns with his medicine and a glass of water and tells him that she had a, she had time to think on her drive. <laughs> She's positive that the reason she was never more popular is because of her temper. She tells him to be honest that he must be so mad at her. And he's like, well, everyone lets off steam once in a while. Yeah. Mm. She helps Paul into bed, telling him that her genius needs his rest before he can write. Once he's in bed, she gives him a notebook and a pencil for if he gets any ideas. He tells her not to expect too much, but she tells him that he'll be great. He can just think of her as inspiration. All right. Yeah. <laughs> she stops at the door and says, I have faith in you, my darling. She blows a kiss at him and tells him to catch it. He does. But as soon as she leaves, he spits out the novel and tucks it into his mattress. And he's like, her darling. Yeah. <laughs> she was testing the waters with that. Man, I, that, I think now I'd be like, fuck. Oh, yeah. This is turning. You know what yeah. I mean? No, she's getting like bad. getting further and further yeah. out of pocket. Like, Way this too is, far. Yeah. And he threw the kiss in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did think that him saying everybody needs to blow off steam once in a while. With all the Hitchcock, was that like a little sly? We all go a little mad sometimes. Oh, that's fair. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. But in the helicopter again, Buster uses his binoculars and finally spots Paul Sheldon's overturned car. 
We cut to the car being lifted out of the snow as state trooper Sherman Douglas, played by J.T. Walsh, tells the press that the assumption is now that Paul Sheldon crawled away from the crash and is now dead. (laughs) He's like real rough. (laughs) No, because as he's going on, I was like, first of all, he has no chill. Right. No. But he's like, he's definitely dead. We'll uh, find his corpse eventually. Is his daughter watching? If yeah, the animals yeah, haven't yeah. eaten. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, oh my, my God. God. You don't have to get so. Yeah. Yes. Or just have a little tact. Yeah. But he says that if anyone found him, they would have taken him to the hospital. He has to be buried by the snow and we'll find him after the thaw. Unless, like you said, the animals get to him first. I was like, holy shit. Unless he's fucking eaten. Yeah. like, what? We'll find bite marks. Right. <laughs> Buster and Virginia, though, stand next to the recovered car, and Buster notices the pry marks on the outside of the driver's side door. <laughs> that Vir- anybody could have noticed yeah, yes. if you would have just looked. They're Clear literally yeah. kind of <laughs> So while the fucking trooper's like, hey, get your uh, corpse-finding gloves on, <laughs> he's over here doing actual police yeah. work. Virginia remarks that Buster doesn't think he's dead, and Buster's like, he might be, but it's not the way the state trooper's saying. He never crawled out of this car by himself. He points to the dents in the door as evidence that someone pulled him out. It's like, yeah, Buster, we, yeah. <laughs> we get that. So I'm glad now somebody's kind of found something. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so how long has he been gone now? Thank you. I've been wondering that as well. Because at this point, I was like, it's got to be some time. Mm-hmm. Like when he first got there, she said he was out for two days. Yeah. So, and, and he's like, you see him slowly healing. Yeah. So, yeah. As it as it continues, I'm like, is this months? Yeah, something, even a month, or you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, how fucking long has it been now? But back at Annie's house, Paul folds a paper from his notepad into a little envelope. Propped up beneath his blanket, he opens one of his stashed novel. First, he sniffs and tastes the medication inside before dumping the rest of it into that envelope. See. The dumb part of me thought he was like a little for daddy. Yeah. <laughs> no. But then I realized this is a genius thing yes, that he's yeah. doing. Being very smart. <laughs> daddy gets his top. Yeah. top. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's very smart. Yeah. Very smart. To get rid of the outside capsule, he just swallows it and he continues to do this with the rest of his stash. We cut to Paul sitting in front of his typewriter, the blank page staring at him. He starts to type, but we see that all he's written is fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> <laughs> He takes the paper out and throws it away before loading up a fresh one and starting to type for real. Later, he continues to type as Annie comes in. She tells him she's sorry, but it's all wrong and he's going to have to do it over. It's not worthy of him, so he needs to just throw it away. <laughs> All except for the part about naming the grave digger after her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, he can, you can leave that in. That part's good. Paul's stunned. Paul tells her that she's being hasty, but Annie explains that what he's written isn't fair. It's funny because in the novel, um, he names a nurse after her. Mm. Uh, and she's a fucking grave yeah. digger. <laughs> She says that when she was a kid, her favorite thing was to go to the movies on Saturday afternoons for the chapter plays. Paul's like, oh, yeah, the cliffhangers. She's like, I know. (laughs) They're also called cereals. I'm not stupid. It's like, oh, shit. I think she pulls up Mr. Man. Yeah, Yeah. don't don't say, just be quiet, Paul. All he's doing is connecting. He's like, well, we called them cliffhangers. And she's like, you fucking... Are you kidding me right now? fucking slum kid. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, dude. (laughs) 
But she continues, her favorite one was Rocket Man. On one episode, he was stuck on a mountain road by the bad guy with the doors of his car welded shut and the brakes torn out. The bad guy started the car. Rocket Man woke up and tried to steer, but it was too late. The car flew off the cliff and then crashed and burned. The next week, she was the first one in line. The new ones always started with the end of the week before. So she saw Rocket Man trying to get out of the car as it went toward the cliff. But at the last minute, he jumped out. Every other kid cheered, but she didn't, <laughs> which like really gives us insight that Annie's always yeah. been this <laughs> She stood up and yelled, this isn't what happened last week. They cheated us. This isn't fair. We close way in on her face yeah. as she yells, he didn't get out of the cock duty car. <laughs> Paul's just fucking <laughs> staring at her. Well, I feel bad. The other kids are like, we're trying to yeah, watch this. No <laughs> we waited all week. Yeah, we've bought in. We're fine. <laughs> but uh, finally Annie regains her composure and Paul says that they always cheated in the chapter plays well he's like they always cheated Dude. in the cliff uh, well, in the yeah, chapter yeah. Plays. he doesn't want to get his ass kicked <laughs> Annie says that he won't, though, not with Misery. She reminds him that a character named Ian did ride for a doctor at the end of Misery's child, but his horse fell and broke his shoulder and ribs, and Ian spent the night in a ditch. He never reached the doctor, so there never was an experimental blood transfusion to save Misery's life. At the end of the book, Misery was buried in the ground, so that's where Paul has to start now. And she just leaves, closing the door behind her. So I got to be honest with the experimental transfusion mm -hmm. and all this shit. <laughs> nah. If that stuff fits in this universe, these books fucking suck. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I didn't understand either. I was like, "What?" Yeah, that's like, what a lot. Fuck? In the um, <laughs> in the novel, we literally get chapters of misery's oh, wow. misery's return oh. as it's being written, and uh, I mean, it's a lot of like heaving bosoms yeah. and, and and love and longing looks and stuff. But I think she was in a coma. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> experimental but i mean you know sure why not hey, i love that paul sat down and was like i how do i get this bitch back? <laughs> like, the least the well, lowest effort dude i'm wow. sorry but it feels like whenever you have to come up with a sequel yeah after you've given a concrete yeah. ending yeah like halloween too it's, yeah <laughs> or i was thinking friday the 13th you're like well how the yeah. fuck is oh, jason yeah. well how is he anything <laughs> But Halloween 2 is a good... Uh, <laughs> but in all fairness, I mean, he did get well, he up. he did scurry away. Yeah. yeah. Loomis is like, God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> this is bullshit. No, I guess a better would be Halloween 2. That was a definite ending. Yes. Now, when we start getting <laughs> yeah. into yes, Halloween 4... <laughs> But we see snow falling at night and the farm covered with the fresh blanket of it. Annie sits reading Paul's work as Paul watches her from his wheelchair. She finally looks up at him and he asks if it was fair and if he should continue. She tells him that he better. She marvels at what she read. Ian realizing that Misery had been buried alive because a bee sting had put her in a coma and Gravedigger Wilkes remembering that 30 years ago the same thing happened to Lady Evelyn Hyde. So the doctor figured out that Misery is Lady Evelyn Hyde's long lost daughter. I can see why he wants to stop writing yeah, these. Because yeah. this is horrible. Oh, man. She says that she knew from the first book that Misery had been born of nobility. And she was right all along. In the novel, she's like, when she tells him that it's not fair and, and he has to redo it, she's like, maybe, I don't know, maybe a, maybe a bee sting or something. So she just threw it out there. Yeah. yeah. And he, like, it didn't fit at first, but then he 
like a light bulb went off and he found a way to make it fit and you know whatever but he's like in the novel as she's saying all this he's like wow she's not just like this is all fair criticism like she's not just loving it because i wrote it like she like he's like fuck like she's actually (laughs) reading these These books do sound very, (laughs) (laughs) but in, but in saying that too, I can sit here and be like, oh man, these fucking romance trash, whatever. I used to read, uh, these, they're, they're by uh, Louis Lamar Uh and they're Western books. But and I hate admitting this, I do like them. <laughs> but they have they're like stuff this. like this. Yeah, it's exactly <laughs> westerns with sex scenes. But like you're reading it and you're like, all right, a western. All these guys dying this and that. Then him and this barmaid go and make sweet <laughs> love, and her bosom heaves with sweat. And I'm like, I, I don't. But you're like, uh, I am yeah. fully invested. Yeah, I'm like, I, do I keep going? And I, I, I uh, take a handkerchief to the sweat. And <laughs> but you know what I mean. Uh-huh. I can't even try to front and be like oh these are dumb but i i do i have you're like and where can i order these misery novels i have to say in all honesty if you've been invested for eight books yeah yeah. you're gonna buy it i watched the last season of dexter yeah you'll subscribe yeah yeah. it's like okay fine once you're in you're in yeah she asks if she can read each chapter once he finishes it and she'll fill in the ends for him because again the ends on the typewriter don't work Mm mm-hmm he nods. She asks if Misery will be her old self or if she'll have amnesia. Now, if she has amnesia, then they really are trash. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you learn. Yeah. That's when I always like if a character in a show I'm watching gets amnesia, I'm like, oh, this is a guilty pleasure now. Yeah. I don't want anyone to know. I'm like, like there's amnesia in Desperate Housewives. I'm like, you guys are just dip- or <laughs> that's fine. See, I thought <laughs> I thought the California seasons of Nip Tuck were bad. But once that started, and, yeah. and then, I was yeah. like, oh, oh, yes. So it's this show now. She gets a character in Nip Tuck gets amnesia. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah. we've crossed the border here. And mm-hmm. this is um, this well, is new this territory. Is trash. <laughs> <laughs> Trashville, USA. But he tells her that she'll have to wait. She asks if Misery will still love Ian with that perfect special love. And Paul's like, you're going to have to wait. She asks for a hint and he tells her no. Annie cries out in excitement and spins in a circle, calling out that Misery is alive. She says she's going to fill the whole house with romance, starting with her Liberace records. She, the twirl. Yeah. yeah. And the, the taking off at top speed. Yes, she runs out. She's like a giddy teenager. She Straight is. Up. Julie... Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Julie James. Yeah. <laughs> right. What are you waiting for, huh? But she She's runs. For them pages. <laughs> she runs out of the room before coming back and asking if Paul likes Liberace. Paul says he was in the front row when he played Radio City, and Annie is thrilled, uh-huh. saying that she's going to play Liberace all day long for inspiration. Do you think he was really in the front row, uh, or was that for her benefit? Yeah, I mean, because that's a very specific yeah. lie. <laughs> So I think he was the there. place. Yeah. I mean, he sure. could if he's famous. Yeah. You know Liberace, I mean? man. yeah. But Paul asked if she'll have dinner with him tonight to celebrate Misery's return because he couldn't have done it without her. And Annie just stares at him speechless. Finally, she dreamily tells him that it would be an honor. And she I put that she walks away, but she kind of like floats away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like he puts her in a trance. Yeah. Like it's <laughs> yeah. and he's just like, uh, dinner, you gotta eat. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. like it's not really a date or anything. No, we're but, not going to call it a date. But no. he's he's doing right. He's oh, he absolutely. knows exactly. Oh. He's yeah. seeing 100%. what he's yeah. yeah. But back at the sheriff's office, Virginia tells someone on the phone that Buster isn't there. He's probably off having an affair somewhere. <laughs> he comes in and she hands him the phone saying that Jim Taylor on the other end wants to know who he's having an affair with. Buster <laughs>, laughs and takes the phone. 
Jim, I guess, is complaining that people are sitting on the benches outside of his store. As Buster talks him down, Virginia digs through the bag that Buster bought to find paperback misery novels. Buster hangs up and Virginia remarks that whoever she is, she sure likes to read a lot. (laughs) She's so funny, dude. I literally, my only note here is Buster and Virginia continue to be adorable. Yes. (laughs) Buster's like, I'm just flattered that you think I have the energy. (laughs) Buster reasons that if he can't find Paul, he can at least see what Paul wrote about. Virginia's like, do you think he wrote about a guy who drove his car off a cliff in a snowstorm? And Buster's like, that sarcasm has really given our marriage some real spice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to admit, I'm, I was with Virginia initially. Right. Yeah. I was like, what could you gain from reading these? Yeah. Right. It's like, just say you want to read the misery yeah. books, yeah. Buster. It's like he's been coming here for many years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So back at Annie's house, Paul sits at the dinner table. Annie comes in wearing a dress with her hair fixed and makeup on. This is the nicest that she's looked the entire film. Yeah, she, in terms, I guess, got herself dolled up for the occasion. Yeah, this is is a date to her. Paul tells her that the food looks wonderful, and so does she, and Annie beams. She sits across from him and watches it... (laughs) As, and watches him as he tries the meatloaf. He tells her he's never had meatloaf this good. And so she spills her secrets, only using fresh tomatoes instead of canned and adding spam in with the ground beef. Wow. So <laughs> I do have to say she makes a very, the point is fresh, fresh, fresh. And then right. she's like, spam. No, I, I am spam, using canned yeah. meat. <laughs> I was just very, you know, come on. Yeah. Well, Paul's like, well, you can't get this in a New York restaurant. And it's like, all right. He meant that was a backhand. Yeah. <laughs> Paul proposes a toast and fills up both of their glasses with wine. They both raise their glasses, and just before they drink, Paul asks if she has any candles so they can do this the right way. She leaves to go find some. While she's gone, Paul keeps her talking so he can gauge her distance, and he takes out the envelope and dumps its contents into her glass, swirling it around. He's smart as hell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like That's very smart. I did want to point out that even with everything that she has done, Yeah. Kathy Bates in this scene mm-hmm. plays her with such a vulnerability yes. that you almost forget yeah. that she's been torturing this yes. kid. <laughs> literally, <laughs> like, literally torturing him. It's unbelievable. She comes back in with the candles, gushing that they're having dinner together. They raise their glasses and Paul toasts to misery and to Annie Wilkes who brought her back to life. Annie reaches out to clink glasses but knocks over the candle. When she picks it up, she knocks over the glass of wine, spilling it onto the table. She apologizes for ruining his beautiful toast and asks for forgiveness. She pours another glass and is like, can we just pretend this never happened? Secretly devastated, Paul just smiles and toasts to misery again. So do you think that was an accident? See, that's what I was going to I go back and forth every time I watch this. Because she stays nice the whole time and I was like, "Mm, did you know? Yeah. You know what I mean? I go back and forth because she's so secretly calculated that literally it could have, I mean, she really, I don't know. I feel like she had to have because it's just too perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Like either she knew or he's the unluckiest man in the world. <laughs> <laughs> These are our two it's choices. One of the uh, two. I, I literally just, just cry, man. It's all yeah, right. You're, yeah. Well, you can see in his eyes. He's yeah. like, like he's, he's like, it's gonna take me another, yeah. <laughs> take me another six months to get that much novel. Six painful months because he's not taking them. He's yeah. saving them. 
But Liberace plays as we get a montage of Paul just cranking out pages. Chapter five, chapter 12. We see Annie reading the pages with Misery the Pig. (laughs) Buster reads a Misery novel at his house. As snow falls out the window, Annie tells him that this is the best Misery novel he's ever written. Paul continues to write day and night, snow and sunshine. We see the chapter continue all the way up to chapter 35. We see Paul struggling to raise the typewriter for exercise briefly before we see him writing again. Okay, two things. First thing, the seasons are changing. Right, right. (laughs) How fucking long? Yeah. That's the same thing. My note again was, okay, so we're seeing this. (laughs) I like the montage, whatever. Yeah. Um, Time, dude. Uh Come on. And... So if the time has passed, like you said, the the, the seasons are changing, whatever. Mm-hmm. Why are your legs not better? You seem to be in a lot better health, but he is in better health. Health, but those legs were fucked. I, I get it, <laughs> and it's but not as though he's getting proper physical therapy or like. No, 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 no. I I know, but I mean, your arm is better. You see him lifting yeah. the thing, like you said, and I mean. Yeah. First of all, I I don't know why it made me laugh that he was like 35, 36. Yeah. Like, that's really fucking funny to me. But I mean, he's got to do something, I yeah. guess. It's smart. It yeah. is. Yeah. But it just made and me she laugh. she mentioned that it was a 50 pound typewriter. Yeah. So that's exactly what I lifted yeah. with. <laughs> but the montage ends as the typewriter dings and we hear a large clap of thunder. Rain is pouring down outside as Paul is lifting the typewriter up and down. Much easier, though, yeah. than he was in the montage prior. Mm-hmm. 55. 56. Yeah. <laughs> I did like the shot of the house in the rain. Yeah. It's like at an angle. So I'm like, what, what's about S- to happen? Something is off. Yeah. yeah. Annie comes in looking tired and sad and drops off his medication without more words than she's just like, here's your pills. Yeah. She turns to leave, but Paul stops her and asks what's wrong. Annie admits that the rain just gives her the blues sometimes. She says that when he first came here, she only loved the writer part of him. But now she knows that she loves the rest of him, too. Paul's eyes widen and Annie's like, I know you don't love me, so please don't say that you do. She might have had a chance if she didn't like hold him captive yeah. or whatever. <laughs> had a chance. Like she, this is a love story for the ages. Yeah. She saved his life. And then she right. went and did this with it. All that goodwill. Yeah. She says that he's a beautiful, brilliant, and famous man, and she's not a movie star type. (laughs) She says that he'll never know the fear of losing someone like him when you're someone like her. He's like, well, why would you lose me? She says that the book is almost finished and that his legs are getting better, and soon he's going to want to leave. He asks her why. He's like, why would I leave? It's like, Paul, stop. You're doing doing too much. (laughs) The second, because he's like, I like it here. I'm like, dude, you're pouring the honey on. You're doing too much. Yeah, he says he likes it here. And she's like, that's nice. But she's sure that that's not completely true. They sit in silence for a moment before Annie takes a gun out of her robe pocket. She says, I have this gun. Sometimes I think about using it. On me or you? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Be be more specific. (laughs) She pulls the trigger, but there are no bullets in it. She looks at Paul and says, I have to go now. I might put bullets in it. 
Then she just leaves and locks the door behind her. Yeah. You better start doing more typewriter presses. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> also, I feel like I might put bullets in it. Should have gone after I think about using it. Like her, it's, yeah. her yeah. mind is just it's, all over the. It's uh, so scary. And again, she turns around like in a trance. Yeah. yeah. What's going on? Yeah. I mean, seasonal depression is a bitch. But oh, yeah. now you're bringing guns into yeah. it. That changes everything. Yeah. Annie steps outside in the rain with the gun in her hand. She quietly just gets in her car and fucking drives yeah. away. See, you realize anytime she gets a little too, <laughs> yeah. it's like, well, fuck, I gotta go think about that. <laughs> too far, too far. Annie, this is how you lose them. There's a, in the book, she refers to it as her laughing place. She drives when she starts feeling this way to her laughing place. And oh. it's uh, Annie, I'm worried for her and for Paul. It's like a circus. Well, yeah. Or? yeah. She's, she's like, when I get sad, I go to the circus. Can you smell the peanuts, Annie? <laughs> <laughs> Paul was Pennywise, I said earlier. Yeah, yeah. We cut back to Paul back in the kitchen taking a big sharp knife out of that knife block. So smart. Yeah. He's like, a gun, you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's a big item to be Thank missing. You. Yeah, I would definitely it's, notice if my biggest knife was like when, Okay, kitchen. like earlier when she broke the, uh, what was it, a plant stand or the yeah. lamp thing? Uh, the the wood splintered everywhere. Why wouldn't you have tried to look for maybe, grab a piece? Right. Yeah, because she did just leave. Yeah, she just took off and or left a them piece there. of the vase. Something. Something. Oh, I mean, the vase broke too. Yeah. yeah. Come on, Paul. It I just, think. And he crawled to the door. Yeah. So Come you're on, telling Paul. you're telling me that he's like, okay, I need to. I took some pills, but I need to move them just so yeah. to where she doesn't <laughs> notice. But I'm gonna but take her knife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest Michael Myers knife yeah. she has. <laughs> She'll never know. It just doesn't make sense. At Buster and Virginia's house, they're sitting in bed reading. Buster is reading Misery's Trial, which I'm like, fuck, the saga of (laughs) Misery. I just want to know. Buster mutters, there is a justice higher than that of man, and I will be judged by him. Virginia's like, what? Buster's like, they're hauling Misery into court, and Virginia does not care. (laughs) (laughs) Buster repeats the quote and then writes it on his notepad. Back at Annie's house, on his way back to his room, Paul sees Annie's scrapbook sitting in the living room open. I don't know how he's able to read this from the hallway, (laughs) (laughs) but the page it's open to beneath the small article asking where Paul is is a larger one with the headline, Paul Sheldon presumed dead. He goes over and picks it up before closing it and seeing the memory lane cover. Paul goes back to the beginning of the book, past childhood photos to a newspaper clipping with the headline, local investment banker dies, Carl Wilkes plunges to death. He flips, another headline, top nursing student falls to her death. Another, Annie M. Wilkes garners nursing school honors. But beneath her photo in the article, it says Annie C. Wilkes. Yeah. So I was Uh, like, which one is it? I do want to point out that these are clearly pictures of Kathy Bates. Oh, yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah. Of her younger. Yeah. yeah. I'm so glad that they did that. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. God damn, have I seen some <laughs> fucking <Yeah>. awful <laughs> Photoshop. Another says Annie Wilkes to head intensive care unit. But next to that article are two smaller ones. Former high school coach dies after long hospital stay and used car king suffers fatal stroke while hospitalized. He keeps flipping and there's more. Veteran pediatrician dies while in a coma at local hospital. Wilkes named county's head maternity nurse. So before we get into the most gruesome of her crimes, yeah. I do want to say that it's clear that his legs are getting better yeah. Yeah. because he's resting the book on them and he's not screaming. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's, that's a big a start. Oh, yeah. That's a big jump. Um, 
in the novel he he finds a scrapbook and it's literally everything like since annie's birth like it's the the wedding announcement of her parents and then it's like she mentions these teens that lived by them that she didn't like and their house burned down yeah. and then so he's like did annie like i can see she had to be like 16 when it happened right and so he can see that and then her um somebody died tripping over something and falling down the stairs and then her roommate in college died by tripping on a cat uh-huh and she fell down the stairs well, like I mean, literally cats everything get in the way. <laughs> we all love cats <laughs> but they <laughs> but let's face it <laughs> everything that she ever did is in the scrapbook and it's just kind of funny because this is like the library scene that we yeah. always get but, but it's, it's in like, annie's yeah. scrapbook she's made her own personal yeah research Microfiche. Resource. Yeah. <laughs> so again i think i feel like she is a psychopath but she's not dumb right she left this out yeah right yeah yeah i mean i feel like that she wanted him to find it right she knows he's getting out (laughs) (laughs) she'll know later because that fucking knife is missing yeah Yeah. but this is where it gets bad i mean it's bad enough because in the novel it's it starts with elderly people right and Mm -hmm. so it's just a lot of articles of died after a long illness died after a long illness died after a short illness died after a long illness like back to back to back and then it, here here it gets a lot worse the next article reads baby lucy dies after a five-week struggle in the hospital another one second newborn death at eldridge county hospital nurse questioned in hospital infant deaths infant deaths return to hospitals nursery ward and finally maternity nurse behind bars dragon lady arrested in recent baby deaths Below this headline is a huge picture of Annie Wilkes. Mm-hmm. Having seen enough, Paul wheels back to his room and closes the door. Was there uh, the pig in one of those? See, there were. This is where I was kind of like, oh shit. Because the scrapbook is morbid as shit. Right. Yeah. We see that she's pure evil. Yeah, yes. Yeah. But there's a lot of lighthearted pictures underneath and around these yeah. horrible articles. I feel like it just shows that it's all the same to her. Like. It's yeah. just this, I, these are memories. The, the book is titled Memory Lane. Right. On one of those articles, there was like an announcement all like written and flourished cursive. Right. Yeah. And it said another baby. She yeah. put that like. Why did that give me goosebumps? I, I, I was like, damn, is she feeding the, the baby the pig? pig? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> well, what? there's. Well, because Sorry. it showed no, because well, no, the pig picture, it, yeah, and then the pig picture was there. And I was like, what the and fuck? And the pig did look happy and fed. Yeah. <laughs> and fed. <laughs> we, um. No, it was on Talk Mortem that we were just talking about serial killers. And uh, these are very, very scary to me. These like, quote unquote, mercy killings Mm -hmm. or like these doctors or nurses or these people in these positions to do this. Just the power that they have and what they can do with it. It's just um, it's some scary shit. It is very, very scary shit. And I'm sure she doesn't think she's doing anything wrong. No, of course not. Of course not. It's even scarier. But Paul, laying in bed, is practicing taking the knife out of the sling. Yeah. With the knife block sound <laughs> from his fucking cloth. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, you have to have the knife sound. It, the it's knife a great sound. The knife comes into play later, and the sound is heard, and it doesn't really need to be heard. So why is she called the Dragon Lady? Yeah. That's just what the press dubbed her. Not a great nickname. No. I kind of like it. I would call, I mean, she'd be like Dr. Sleep, I'd call her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But later, Paul is still laying in bed when Annie comes back. He hears her coming in through the front door, and he watches as her shadow appears in his doorway, but when he waits for the doorknob to turn, it doesn't. 
Annie just walks away and we hear the TV turn on. Paul takes the knife out of his sling and tucks it in between the mattress and the box spring. He mutters, see you in the morning and falls asleep. So I feel like she has like a sixth sense for his bullshit. Yeah. Because any other time she would have just come in there. Yeah. But she heard the. She also is really depressed right now. She's not True. usually yeah. like she's not usually like this. But she just got back from the circus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she's just like, I don't I don't have the energy for his right. fucking bullshit today. I just don't. But later, as Paul sleeps, the rain continues to pour outside. He opens his eyes to see Annie standing over him. Lightning illuminates her face. And before he can say anything, she sticks a syringe into his arm and Paul is out. Annie just walks away and shuts the door. When Paul wakes up, it's morning and he seems groggy and like happy. Yeah. Like He does not remember where he's at right now. Well, he slept well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Annie tells him that she knows he's been out. When Paul looks down at himself, his blankets are gone and he's now tied to the bed. His leg braces are off, too. Oh, wait, I remember why. He's all happy because, you know, that moment you first wake up and you don't remember who you are. Like, oh, God, I'm me. <laughs> she tells him that she knows he's been out of his room. And when he denies this, she says that the penguin in the living room always faces due south. So she's been knowing. Yeah. See, so not even the fucking knife. Yeah. It was the penguin. penguin. Yep. Yeah. Like, are you fucking kidding yep. me? But I'm glad they waited until now to do this yes. instead of her doing it earlier. Yeah. And then this is what's so scary about her is the way that she can compose herself and act. Sometimes you don't know what she knows. Right. No. And the novel, when he had gotten out and came back in, his wheelchair left marks on the door. Mm. Oh. And so she comes in and he's like, oh. oh, fuck, 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 fuck. He's like just frantically like worried about the marks. And so when she leaves again, he wipes them away. Mm -hmm. And then um, when she finally confronts him, she's like, you really think that I didn't see the marks on the door? Like she's like, yeah. dude. He thinks he's getting one over. Yes, yeah. but you're not. Yeah. Like that's what she's so fucking scary. We see from our angle Paul's hand creeping down the mattress to his hiding spot and he's like frantically searching and she's like, he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and she just lifts up the knife and she's like, is this what you're looking for? Like, come on, dude. Yeah, you, you were searching. She could see you searching yeah, for him. Yeah. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> we're like, even trying to hide and, he's, and he's tied down. So it's He's like, like, well, I've got one yeah. thing to say about that. If I could just <laughs> hold find it. <laughs> hold, please. <laughs> But Paul now has nothing to say. She says that she knows he's been out twice. And at first she couldn't figure out how, but then she found his key and she shows him the bent hairpin. Right. And in the novel, he breaks off a piece in the lock and is afraid every time she comes in oh. that she's going to hear it rattling. But she never heard it rattling because she knew and she took it out yeah. the whole time. God like damn. she already knew. And then he's, she's like, how many times? And he's like, three. And she's like, how many times? And he's like, what do you, 50. I don't know, what, whatever you want. Like that's how many times I was out. I do like the camera work. Yes. Right. Like pressing in. Yeah. Because the walls are closing in. He is. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But she's like, I know I left my scrapbook out and I can't <laughs> imagine what you must be thinking of me. She's like, but it's fine. She says that last night it all came clear to her. He just needs more time. Eventually he'll get used to the idea of being here. Quickly changing gears. She's like, do you know what they used to do to the native workers who stole diamonds in the early days of the Kimberly diamond mines? It's like, did I fall asleep? Like, yeah. what, what, he blacked out and just came back. talking about? The fear knocked him out. Yeah. <laughs> Paul starts to struggle, but she tells him not to worry. They didn't kill them. That's like junking a Mercedes for having a broken spring. She just says it like so like, come on, silly. Yeah. Like, it's folksy. Yeah. 
They had to make sure that these people could still work, but that they would also never run away again. The operation was called hobbling. At this point, she places a block of wood between Paul's feet and raises a sledgehammer. I do want to point out that I don't know that this is a true thing that happened to minors. Right. I looked it up. I couldn't find anything. There were evidence of, there was evidence of hobbling. Right. Yeah. But it was used almost like as a torture situation. Oh, all right. Not as a, well, because they still, you need your legs to mine. So it doesn't make a lot of, <laughs> yeah. doesn't make a lot of sense. It makes even less sense when you find out what she did in the novel. And she also called this hobbling as well. Right. Oh, well, then so I guess we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I also want to point out that the shot of her raising up the sledgehammer and looking at him is yeah. fucking iconic. Yes. I love it. It's like it lasts for a second, but I love it so much. But Paul begins to cry as he asks her not to do whatever she's thinking about doing. She shushes him and asks that he just trust her. He sobs and begs as she raises the sledgehammer and she hits his foot, his ankle. We watch as it flops boneless against the piece of wood and Paul screams. She's like, we're almost done and walks to the other side of the bed and does the same to his right foot. So it's brutal. It's fucking awful. It's so bad. It's like it, it is. I I don't know why I thought it was worse. Like I mean, it is bad. Yeah, what, but it, it's like, the watching the foot. I think it's our memory of it. It being so scarring and jarring. Right. That it's in your mind. It's one of the worst things you've ever seen. Yeah. And maybe yeah, I watched maybe. it too young, and then I that just too. did the same thing to my kid. But <laughs> <laughs> it is devastating. Yeah. I, I I was like, oh man, his bones gonna come out, and then I was like, no wait, that doesn't happen. Yeah, that didn't happen. I, was like, I don't know his why. I don't know why I remember. Here that. come the bones. <laughs> I I think it's elevated even more because of James Con's performance. Yeah. yeah, his screaming. I don't think I've ever seen anyone sell pain this well since Shawn Michaels. <laughs> 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 but I did want to talk about the effects work. Yeah, it was done by KNB. Kurtzman, Nicotero, and Berger. (laughs) And so what they did was they made legs out of gelatin and they were molded off of Jimmy Jimmy Khan's legs. (laughs) Not Jimmy Khan. (laughs) And so they had armatures in them and so they were able to move and whatnot as needed. But he had holes in the bed where he placed his legs into. Okay. And then they placed them at his knees. Uh, so right. you're saying that Kathy Bates didn't really do this to James Conn. Right. She didn't really do this yeah. to James Conn, <laughs> but she did swing a real sledgehammer. Holy shit. Oh, wow. And they had to do this a lot because they I'd had be, to get the angle right. right I'd be like, right. are we sure my feet though? Yeah. Are we sure that's yeah. not my feet? <laughs> I'd be fucking yeah, terrified. I would still not want to do that over and over. <laughs> no, 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 no. you no. know they're not your feet, but still, you're looking at it. I don't like that. Yeah. They said there are some, some shots where James Conn wasn't in the bed and it was shot from the perspective of just a couple legs yeah. <laughs> sitting there, which is really funny to me. But I know that you had said that the novel is different. Yeah. But before you explain why, I did read that they had a director on board to do this film before Rob Reiner decided to direct it. Uh And this is according to Yahoo. The director dropped out because it was originally written like that, like the novel. Uh And he had said, I can't imagine myself calling action for that scene. I don't. damn. And he quit. (laughs) In the novel, she takes an axe and she cuts his fucking foot off damn and it takes multiple swings and paul is just you're present in the entire moment and then she cauterizes the stump and then it's like 
obviously he almost dies right right and so for the next couple days annie's looking at him like i fucking went too far right. like she's like <laughs> well, he can yeah. tell by her face that she's like i almost fucking yeah, killed him yeah. like this i'm doing too much yeah. <laughs> i need to dial it back i can't remember if it was warren Beatty or some other actor of like that ill that said no that said no yeah and part of it was because of that and he said the dumbest shit i've ever heard he goes well because it was still the severed Right, 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 right. And he was like, well, you know, after that happens, from that point on, Paul Sheldon's just a loser. I was like, what the fuck are you what? talking about? Wow. Yeah. That is incredibly that. offensive. I was like, are you fucking kidding? I'm glad you didn't get it. That yeah. is crazy offensive. I don't want to attribute it to Warren Beatty, but that's who I remember it being, but it yeah. might have been someone else. Fucking hell. But I was like, you really said And you put yeah. that, it's in print? <laughs> I don't understand that. You said that, that no. with your chest. Yeah. Okay. I hope you don't work again. Yeah. <laughs> that's trash. But Paul screams, understandably, as we zoom way into Annie's face and she says, God, I love you. We see Paul again, mindless with pain before it fades to black. I'm going to die here. That's all. Yeah, this is yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. You better get you better get ready. And, she, and you you're doing it so lovingly like this. And he mentions that in the novel a lot like this. This hurts mommy more than it hurts you. Like that's the energy here. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I just can't, I it's terrifying to me. You didn't have to do that. You didn't. Yeah. So yeah. here's my question: Is that the punishment for him having gotten out, or yeah. is it simply well, the solution for him eventually leaving? Both, because she was just saying your legs are getting better yeah. and you're gonna want to leave. So let's dial that back a little bit, and now your legs aren't so better. And I can't have you getting out because what if you escape? So it's a two for one special. It's a two for one. <laughs> two dirty birdies, one stone. <laughs> That's fantastic. So we cut to Silver Creek where Buster watches from the window of the sheriff's station as Annie's vehicle and another car nearly get into an accident. She opens the door and yells out, you cock a duty before driving on. He steps outside and watches her continue to yell at the driver before going into the store. He comes right back in and snaps at Virginia for straightening up his desk <laughs> because he has a system. He finally finds what he's looking for and Virginia asks what it is. He's like, maybe nothing. And she goes, well, I'm glad you found it then. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he's I, like, there's that spice again. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. What, Buster? Yeah, I get yeah. it. I subscribe to organized chaos. Yeah. Because I know exactly where everything is, yeah. even if it doesn't look like I should. Yeah. But Buster grabs his coat and heads back out. At the library, because we, you know, you know, we needed a library scene. Buster goes through old copies of the newspaper before stopping on the headline, infant deaths return to hospital's nursery ward. He flips to the article with the picture of Annie Wilkes and then another one of her being interviewed by reporters. Buster leans into the small text underneath the photo. Wilkes told reporters on the courthouse steps, there is a justice higher than that of man. I will be judged by him. He takes out the note that he wrote from the book with the exact same quote from Misery's trial. Brought down by your own fandom. Yeah. Yep. I had thought, <laughs> <Your own Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely was hoping that it would be something like that where he pieces it together Yeah, yeah. as it very easily could have been her in town yelling at that guy. And she's yeah, like, yeah. as sure as I'm Paul Sheldon's yeah. biggest fan. <laughs> you know, and he's like, what did, what did she just say? Yeah. As Misery Chastain says, it's like, wait, what? Yeah, that's weird. This is too much. <laughs> Just solved the mystery. Yeah, yeah. It's done. <laughs> yeah. This has to be the part T that you were laughing at, but 
Annie arrives back home. And as she talks to Misery the pig, she calls out, hi, pumpkin, to Paul as he's watching her from the window. And in response, he just flips her off. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. And then she's like, oh, you kidder. It's like another Annie would have fucking killed you for that. Yeah, exactly. Depends on how you... How she's feeling. Yeah. Yeah. But he stopped caring. Yeah, no, he's done. (laughs) But Buster goes into the general store and asks the owner, Pete, played by Jerry Potter, if they have any Paul Sheldon books. Pete says that they had a batch, but they sold out. And Buster asks about Annie. Pete says that every time a new Paul Sheldon book comes out, she asks him to hold a copy for her. Buster asks if she's been buying anything odd lately. And Pete says no, unless you count typing paper odd. Buster's like, nope, not not about that. Gotta go. (laughs) And he drives straight to Annie's property. Back at Annie's house, Paul hears a car coming and goes over to the window. Just as he sees it, Annie walks straight to him and injects him with the syringe. I was going to ask you guys, I was like, well, what would you do if you saw the car coming? But she already... Nothing. (laughs) I would fall asleep. (laughs) Well, he didn't really put up much of a fight. He kind of just like struggled a little bit. And then just just let it happen. Good night. He tries to fight her, but he's quickly dazed. Annie wheels him to the basement door. She tells him that everything she does for him, and he still continues to fight her. She asks when they'll develop a sense of trust before carrying him down the stairs and leaving him on the floor of the basement. As Buster walks up to the front door, Annie hides the wheelchair. Just as he raises his hand to knock, Annie opens the door. I asked you the other day uh, how tall she was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's 5'3", right? She's (laughs) 5'3". Yeah. She's got to be fucking (laughs) strong to carry this man out of bed. Mm -hmm. Or where was he? In the chair. In the chair, yeah. So from the chair to the basement, all the way down the steps, and then back in time to hide his chair she's and not even out of breath to, yeah no. and then to the front door <laughs> and she still i was like damn it's like uh what was it peggy hill the fire yeah. person scary yes the fire person scary <laughs> leverage yeah <laughs> But she feigns surprise that Buster's there, saying that she's not used to visitors. Buster asks if she knows anything about Paul Sheldon. And he's like, what do you want to know? He was born in Massachusetts 45 years ago as an only child to Franklin and Helene Sheldon. He was a mediocre student. Buster's like, like, that's not not what I meant. He clarifies that Paul Sheldon is missing and Annie interrupts that she knows she's his biggest fan. She owns everything he's ever written. Finally, she invites him inside and Buster asks if he can look around. She tells him yes. She says she's sure he knows about the accident and it pretty much killed her too. She just prayed that it wasn't true. She tells him that he's going to laugh, but she was praying and God told her to get ready because she's going to be Paul's replacement. Paul brought pleasure to so many people and God told her that since she's his number one fan, she should write new books as if she were Paul Sheldon. I want to say her story is just out there enough to be yeah. true. Yeah. It is on the line. Because you are going to find a manuscript that looks like Paul Sheldon's yeah. writing. <laughs> Using his colloquial <laughs> terms. But and- it was me, baby. <laughs> I also think it was so smart that she didn't pretend she didn't know who Paul Sheldon was. Yeah. Because if that she had tried just that, be yeah. foolish. Done. the whole thing falls apart. You got the town clerk. Yeah. He's like, oh, she's always talking about yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She has an I Heart Paul Sheldon t-shirt. That's all she wears. <laughs> but Buster continues to search as she tells him that she went to the store and got a typewriter and the same kind of paper that Paul uses or used and made a writing studio out of his guest bedroom. Well, out, <laughs> out of her guest bedroom. That, that would have given him away immediately. <laughs> right away. She's like, Paul's been staying here. <laughs> this is my living room. This is Paul's, Paul's room. room. <laughs> my guest bedroom. God damn it. <laughs> out of She's like, her- Annie, let me yeah. see your hands. <laughs> 
<laughs> out of her guest bedroom. So she leads him over to it. In the basement, though, Paul is starting to regain consciousness. You remember on Indigo Prophecy when the of cop... Of course. I remember all of Indigo Prophecy. <laughs> the cop comes to check your apartment, and if you fuck up once, he's like, yeah. get down! <laughs> that would have been that moment. <laughs> that would have been that moment right there. Annie, sh- Annie shows Buster Paul's room and the manuscript. She tells him that she knows the words Paul uses, but she just can't get it right. He encourages her, but when she offers him a couple hundred pages to read, he declines. Like, Annie, chill. That's a little excessive. She knew he was going to say no. She did move one paper out of the way. I'm assuming it was the paper that yeah. said, by Paul Sheldon. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, this, is, like, that's- this shouldn't be here. <laughs> well, it is his room, so... <laughs> She offers Buster a cup of hot chocolate and he declines that too. But she goes to the kitchen to get him a cup anyway. She's like, it's already made. So I love the thought of Annie just sitting around drinking hot chocolate while all this is going on. And having enough for more than one person. Yeah. They awkwardly watch each other from the doorway of the kitchen and the doorway of Paul's room. It like red is very funny to me. Oh yeah. It was like darkly comedic. Yes. Because it's very tense as well. Because he knows that something's up and she wants... I feel like knows that he knows that something's up. So they're both like, where, like, where, where are, you are we? Yeah. When Annie goes to the kitchen for good, though, Buster sneaks upstairs. He looks around and doesn't find anything. But when he stands in Annie's bedroom, she slowly walks up behind him. I was nervous, but she just had a cup of yeah. cocoa for him. See, I was nervous for him because you snuck upstairs. Yeah. yeah. Do you not even in your mind? You're like, well, how am I going to sneak back downstairs? Like, yeah. this is I. I what are you doing? She insists on him drinking the cocoa and he's like, I've got to get back. Do you think she put something in it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Whatever she shot Paul up yeah. with. Yeah. In the basement, Paul starts to move. Buster asks if it would be all right for him to pay her another visit sometime. And Annie says yes. As Buster walks back to his car, Paul knocks over the grill in his base in the basement and Buster hears it come crashing down. <laughs> Pulls in a his skinner. Bas- yeah. yeah. In his ne- I'm in here. here. <laughs> but you literally just said his... <laughs> Nay, don't ever kidnap I, anyone. <laughs> you will not get away with it. Oh, that's Paul's basement yeah, now. Yeah. Shit. He hangs out in there all I the time. I threw his ass in there. <laughs> he walks back into the house and asks if Annie is all right, but instead hears Paul calling him from the basement. Kid <laughs> Skinner style. Oh, yeah. He opens the door and sees Paul lying at the bottom of the steps. He says... Mr. Sheldon before a bullet explodes through his chest or a shell, right? It was a double barrel. He falls and Annie is behind him holding a shotgun. So for me, uh, obviously very sad to see him die. Yeah, it's really upsetting. And I really hate that. I just think of Virginia. Yeah. Because we don't see her again. But I... She's I hate it. Tidying up his desk. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it's very interesting that they played his death so silently. Yeah. Yeah. It just out of nowhere. Yeah. The music doesn't like, yeah. like nothing happens. Even after he's shot, the music just calms down. Because it's almost like yeah. a surreal moment. Yeah. Because can you imagine if you're Paul and finally, like finally Somebody, someone's yeah. here <laughs> and now he's dead and kind of you got him killed. Right. Yeah. I mean, but well, I'm not blaming Paul for this. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Paul's fault. This happens in the novel. I, there's no buster. We get no really side of the, of that aspect of it, of them looking for him. It's mm-hmm. very just. We're in this house. Right. And um, a cop finally comes to, you know, because she lives, but she lives right, close. Right. So a cop comes and Paul sees him out the window and he throws an ashtray out the window to get his attention. And Annie, Annie uh, mows over him with the lawnmower. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I want to say because I read that there was a deleted scene yeah. of that happening. It was supposed to be in the novel, but they thought it might be too funny. Well, yeah. yeah. Oh, the, in the film, you mean? Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, in the film, but they thought it would be too funny. In Paul's film. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I can't talk Everything's today. Paul's. Um, but... I, mean, I think it, that would be too far. If you're not going to cut off a man's foot, but you're going to have Annie Wilkes <laughs> mowing over a police officer right. with a lawnmower. And well, I mean, it, it, it worked in uh, Sinister. That's true. Oh, my God. That fucking right. scared the shit out of me. And that, that was the most yeah, iconic scene. Was- um, but she, she does blame Paul for getting him killed. And now it's like somebody's going to come looking for him. So our time is running out. Yeah. But Paul stares and Annie tells him not to feel bad. This was bound to happen sooner or later. It's just a sign. She says that she knows why she was chosen to save him. It's like you're having a lot of epiphanies lately. Yeah. They were meant to be together forever. And now their time in this world must end. But she's prepared for what has to be done. There are two bullets in her gun, one for him and one for her. She tells him it'll be so beautiful. She heads back upstairs and Paul frantically looks around and sees the can of lighter fluid. She comes back with her gun in one hand and a syringe in the other. She tells him not to be afraid because she loves him and she starts down the stairs. Thinking quickly, Paul goes, I love you too. Annie stops in her tracks. Paul's like, you're right. We are meant to be together and we do have to die so that misery can live. He says they have the power to give misery eternal life, but they have to finish the book. Annie's like, but the time has to be now because others are going to come soon. Yeah. Paul says that it'll be finished by dawn and then they can give misery back to the world. But she speaks so theatrically. Yeah. yeah. Like, but it must be now. Yeah. She's yeah. like, but the others. Yeah. <laughs> but it fits her character. Yeah. Right. Because it's almost like this idealized version of love that she's built into her own brain. Right. Yeah. That is just well, it's so. It's the love that she's read, the yeah. special perfect exactly. love in the misery novels. And she talks a lot. You know, she's the dragon lady. Right. She talks about her neighbors that hate her and the reporters. And it's a very, it's me and then it's them mentality with Annie Wilkes. Right. I'm going to have to learn more about dragons because yeah. I. <laughs> <laughs> I just sin- I simply didn't know. Well, they work very hard to get a nursing degree. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows that. And they ruin it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but Paul grabs a can of lighter fluid and shoves it down the back of his pants as Annie goes to get his wheelchair. She leaves it at the top of the stairs and is like, I'll go get you something to eat. She doesn't even carry him back upstairs. <laughs> well, the the weird thing was the lighter fluid. Uh-huh. The, the sheriff's still right there. He has a firearm on him. Oh, shit. Why are you not going after him? That's true. He's right there. She yeah. didn't even take she, it. Yeah, she didn't take him, didn't pay him no mind, didn't. Yeah. He's got a gun. Oh, Annie. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? You're right there, dude. Damn it. I never thought of Darling. That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy behind his back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no don't do that you're gonna oh, yeah, too much time that's right, right. That's yeah. no you gotta have it at the ready yeah. um but yeah in the novel that one cop comes and she kills him and then it's like scary the way that she works out others are gonna come mm-hmm. i'm gonna say he came i'm gonna of course say that i knew you and that i saw you when you were here before and i'm gonna say that it, i offered him something to drink but he said no because he didn't want coffee it was too hot so i gave him a pepsi and then so I, i'm gonna take this bottle of pepsi and i'm gonna take it to this location and they're gonna think that he drank it on his way out and tossed it out his window and the, i mean it's like wait it's, so yeah. she gave him a two liter yeah yeah <laughs> Here, take it all yeah <laughs> you must be real thirsty yeah. but then more co- a, a duo of cops come and she's like you know what's gonna happen to them if you say yeah. anything and then so he doesn't really because he didn't have the opportunity. He's like, I want to say that I'm not saying anything 
because she'll kill them. But really, I something bad's gonna happen to me yeah. if if I say something and it doesn't go perfect. Oh yeah. Well, you've already got a foot off you at this point. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh, uh, more than that. Okay. So while we're talking about that, okay. Um, he pisses her off again. I think it's because I was I was working on the script and watching interviews and reading the book at the same time. So <laughs> please forgive me if things get muddled, but. She wants to read what he's written, and it's very important that she reads the last batch all at once. Mm -hmm. She can't be reading it in chapters anymore. So she wants to read it, and he says no, and he's not working fast enough for her or whatever. So she literally comes in with a, a carving knife and cuts one of his thumbs off. Okay. And then, and then, and then... Uh, she cuts his thumb off and then she comes back later having baked a birthday cake. Although it is not Paul's birthday, she made him a birthday cake with lit candles on the cake. And in the middle of the cake is his thumb. Yeah. And she's like, eat this cake or I'm going to make you eat the candles. Do I have to eat the thumb? If he doesn't eat the cake. So he eats the cake. Well, you better eat the fucking cake. Well, How is this supposed damn. to make me work faster? Uh, yeah, the, thumb is the, space yeah. bar. Uh, the thumb is the yeah. space bar. <laughs> and he's just she's gone like she i don't know i don't know (laughs) i think that we would have not been as well with that in the film yeah (laughs) as well yeah (laughs) i mean i feel like if you have her cutting off his thumb because he's writing too slow instead of the (laughs) montage of him working his ass off i think we all and Kathy Bates right. and Annie Wilkes are just evil. Yeah. Period. And then finding the fucking scrapbook, it's like, yeah, of course. Yeah. For, but for me, it's like, what the fuck was the cake? Like, what what move yeah, was well, that? Well, it was kind of her. She's a little sweet, but she's also, <laughs> <laughs> but she's also severed thumb. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's the point we're trying to get across here. Not even a thinly veiled <laughs> no. metaphor. <laughs> Later, Paul is typing up a storm as Annie comes in holding pages. She says she's dying to know, will Misery end up with Ian or Winthorn? (laughs) Winthorn. (laughs) Just because his name's cooler? A name like that. Paul tells her that she'll know very soon because he just came up with the last chapter. He tells her that to finish the book, he's going to need three things to make it perfect. She asks what those things are before laughing and admitting that she knows. He needs a cigarette because he used to smoke, but now he only has one when he finishes a book. He needs a match to light it and a glass of champagne. Dom Perignon. Oh. Paul's like, yeah, Dom yeah. Perignon. It made me laugh because he's like, you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I was just fooling, silly. That's great. In the novel, he tells her what he needs and she's like, uh, then you need to smoke the cigarette not when we're drinking because I'm not drinking champagne with that in here. It's like, Annie, yeah. <laughs> the like, you're me. Yeah. <laughs> As if we haven't. Yeah, no. <laughs> that was the straw. You're yeah. mean. Later, Paul calls her in to tell her that he's almost done. She gushes about Ian and Winthorn dueling for Misery's hand. She asks who wins, but also is like, no, 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 don't tell me. Yeah. <laughs> He says that she'll know everything in a minute. He tells her to get the champagne. She leaves fucking just buzzing. She sets up a tray for him. The bottle of Dom Perignon, the glass, and a saucer with the cigarette and a match on it. She then picks up her gun and puts it in her pocket. She brings the tray in and is like, did I do good? Paul tells her it's perfect, except this time. And she's like, (laughs) he's like, we're going to need two glasses (laughs) dreamily and he's like oh paul and then leaves i want to point out i read in entertainment weekly this made me laugh my ass off 
but there was a screening for this film with the crew, like Rob Reiner's there, mm-hmm. the whole thing. James Kahn is there, and he said, at this point, someone shouted, watch out, <laughs> she's got a gun. And he looked, and it was Stephen King. <laughs> <laughs> he loved this I, film. I love that. <laughs> He's like, Paul, no! (laughs) That killed me. As soon as she's gone, Paul takes the last pages out of the typewriter and drops them and the rest of the book onto the floor. He makes a torch out of the pages and douses everything in lighter fluid before lighting up a match. When Annie comes back with her glass, she's so fucking happy. She just stops in her tracks. Paul says, remember how nobody ever knew who Misery's real father is or if they'd be reunited? Does she marry Ian or Winthorne? It's all right here. He lights the torch and Annie drops her glass, screaming that he can't. Paul reminds her that he learned this from her. He's like, I learned it from watching you. (laughs) He lights it with one hand as well. Of course. The thumb, but he's also kind of like, this is from my slum kid book. (laughs) 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 Bitch. (laughs) (laughs) He drops the paper onto the manuscript and it all goes up in flames. Annie drops to the ground screaming, not my misery, and trying to put out the flames. Paul picks up the typewriter and fucking bashes her in the head with it. There you go. The 50 pound typewriter. But Annie gets right back up, slapping out her sleeve that caught on fire. She runs to Paul and grabs his throat, telling him she's going to kill him and calling him a lying cocksucker. What the <laughs> fuck? Where did that come Not from? Not cock-a-duty what? to cocksucker. Like, that's, wow. a, that's a leap. That, that's <laughs> insane. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? He should have sprayed her ass with lighter fluid when oh. she was... Oh, damn it. I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was just enjoying no, it. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She breaks the window with Paul's head, but he digs his thumbs into her eyes until they bleed. Then he palm heel strikes her nose and she hits the floor. What is he, Josh from (laughs) Mythical Kitchen? (laughs) (laughs) Palm heel strike. Like a piece of garlic. (laughs) She shoots him and he takes it in the shoulder before launching himself at her. It was funny to me because he literally used his body as a weapon. He did. He tackles her, causing the gun to fire off the one remaining shot. Paul proceeds to whoop her monkey ass, grabbing the manuscript and shoving it into her mouth. He tells her to eat it until she chokes, calling her a sick, twisted fuck. I love it. I mean, I love that line so much. We were talking on Talk Morn about unintentionally funny horror movie lines. Yeah. And this, this should have been on there because it's hilarious. It's a crack up. Yeah. I want to point out while this is going on, according to an interview with Today, there are no stunt doubles. Oh wow! <laughs> they're just really? fucking whooping. They're just yeah. beating the shit out of each other. Kathy Bates is like, "This is for not wanting to yeah, rehearse." Right? <laughs> <laughs> but she kicks him in the balls and gains the upper hand until he raises his own leg to trip her. It did make me laugh because we see her kick him in the balls, and then we get like this cartoonish "oh" from yeah. Paul, <laughs> like a close-up on his face. It made me laugh. Maybe I'm crazy, but I feel like you push through the pain. <laughs> yeah, my my <laughs> adrenaline would absorb that nut shot, right? <laughs> I mean, you can try, man, but that shit does not feel good. (laughs) (laughs) But he raises his leg to trip her, and Annie Wilkes goes down, and her head, which absolutely belonged to Kathy Bates, (laughs) hits the corner of the typewriter. Come on. That was... 
I know, T, me and you talked about it a little earlier. Yeah. I feel like if this was a fast fall, then it would have worked. But it, she falls so slow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're we, able you, to. See. You, it's a it's a stunt head. Yeah, um, I think what what sucks is that I saw they had these photos on Yahoo from K and B the molds they made of her. Right, and they looked exactly like her. Yeah. At least a couple of them did. But I feel like they used the third one <laughs> because for some reason this does not look. No, I don't it know. Doesn't. But it you're doesn't. right. If it would have been quicker, yeah, and it would have just been the sound of her hitting, yeah, yeah, and then that wide shot from above, we're good. Because yeah. the blur of the fall, yes. you would have been like, oh, oh shit, fuck. yeah. No, they just but they no, showed no. too much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They showed too much. It's like she hit her knees, then fell. <laughs> <laughs> But Annie lays in a pool of her own blood and Paul crawls from the room. Just as he gets into the hallway, she jumps on his back. Paul manages to reach her pig-shaped door stopper and hits her in the head with it. She looks at him before finally falling onto his chest, dead. So I was a little upset. Yeah. Because whenever she hit her head on the typewriter, however it looked. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about that. It's poetic. Yes. I was like, the irony of it, the fact that she was killed by the very man that she loved or whatever right yeah and the instrument <laughs> or whatever yeah well, I don't know. <laughs> but it's the little in- literal instrument that made her life worth living yeah, yeah. killed her yeah but then i was like oh never mind it's a pig statue yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine too i guess paul rolls her off of him and the two lay in the entryway to annie's house and it fades to black in the novel mm-hmm. this happens and then he like goes to sleep or mm-hmm. something and then the next day the two cops that came that you know he didn't call out to so right, they left right. they come back and he's i'm in here <laughs> and they <laughs> they find him and he's like she's dead in the in the room like she's dead i killed yeah, her yeah. and so the cops go in there and they're like there's blood and there's stuff broken everywhere but she's not in there and paul's Dude. like so come to find out whatever while paul was asleep she crawled out of his window and into the barn and died trying to get a chainsaw to come back and chop him up oh my Uh, god and he was not she that bitch was not going down without a fight but it kind of ends there and then like it unpacks later in the uh, like there's a couple more little segments and it unpacks but i'm like so she just maybe she lives next door to you i'm like oh shit But 18 months later, with the help of a cane, Paul walks into a restaurant for a meeting with Marsha. She has the first copy of his new book, The Higher Education of J. Philip Stone. Her contacts are telling her that the reviews are good and for the first time he has a shot at awards. Paul doesn't care. He loves that the critics like it and he hopes the public will too, but he just wrote it for himself. He says that in some way the whole Annie Wilkes experience helped him. Marcia says that since he brought it up, she has to ask how he feels about a nonfiction book of his experience. And Paul's like, gee, it almost sounds like you're asking me to relive the worst horror of my life to make a few bucks. Yeah, pretty much. He's distracted when he sees Annie Wilkes walking toward them with the dessert cart. She holds up a knife and stares at him. He tells Marcia that it's not something someone completely gets over ever. Even though he knows that she's dead, he still thinks about her once in a while. We see the server with the cart, and it's not Annie. The woman asks him if he's Paul Sheldon and tells him that she's his number one fan. With an uneasy smile, he tells her that that's very sweet. It fades to black as I'll Be Seeing You by Liberace plays. First of all, I mean, she might be now. 
Oh, it's <laughs> number one fan. I mean, <laughs> I mean the contenders yeah. you've been bumped off. Yeah, so I maybe I haven't checked the rankings, but <laughs> I did want to say this ending is first of all, it's perfect. Right. Absolutely. And the song that plays at the end is perfect mm-hmm. with the lyrical content. Right. And it's Liberace. It's exactly. <laughs> but I do want to say that we talked about it on our fourteen oh eight episode. Uh-huh. This ending of this film was borrowed for a scene in that film, if you recall. Oh, yes. Yeah. Which I thought was very neat. Yeah. And it's very similar to a film that I don't want to spoil. So I'll just say it's a Soderbergh film. Okay. Oh, yeah. So it's clearly an influential idea. Definitely. And it's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Before we move on, I wanted to very quickly say what the ending was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-oh. And I say supposed to be. This was when Stephen King sat down to write Misery. This is where he thought it was going. Right. First of all, it wasn't going to be called Misery. It was going to be called the Annie Wilkes edition. All right, I'm going to head out. And the ending was going to be Annie Wilkes killing Paul, feeding him to Misery the pig. Of course. And then using his skin to bind the book that he wrote. I'm sorry. What? (laughs) Yeah. Is this the Necronomicon? Yeah. But obviously that's not what happened, yeah. neither in the novel nor the film. Right, right. Thankfully. I feel like, I feel like that's too gruesome for the story. Yeah, it's a lot. It's yeah, a lot. That doesn't fit with... No. If she's um, fucking skinning him. Yeah. I did forget to double back about what I said, the Shining reference in the book. Right. Uh, Annie was kind of just out here killing folks. Right. Um, She said that she met a man uh, hitchhiking and she picked him up and he was a photographer who had been given a job to come and take photos of the overlook hotel because a crazy caretaker killed his family and burned the whole thing down oh wow yeah that's cool and so he he was hired by some publication to come and take photos of it for the story that they were running on it and she finds out that he lied Uh he didn't have a job he was trying to come and take pictures and try to get work based on the Uh, photos and Mm. but by this time they were lovers according to annie Mm. and uh she didn't appreciate that he lied to her so she murdered him and (laughs) um she had to hide his body because if they found him they wouldn't think that they were lovers they would think that she kept him there and was making him right and paul's like so that's what happened right yeah. like <laughs> in his mind he's like okay but that's all it's just a little nod to the right, overlook right, i right. thought it was i thought it was really no cool. i i love to hear that yeah. i like how his universe is just you know yeah because that's something that happened in the realm of misery's story yeah so but anyway before though the I wanted to admit that Paul Sheldon is not Pennywise. Yeah, damn and it. <laughs> the thing that I had read about the nod to it was uh-huh. apparently Paul Sheldon when he was a kid. Right, he grew up with Eddie Kasprak because he moved from Derry huh. after the events of the novel. So it's wow. all it's all but, entwined. So does this have something to do with Dark Tower then? Probably. It all does. Yeah, <laughs> we all do. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> But I have to ask, what did you guys think of Misery? Um, I really enjoyed it. I had told your sister that I didn't remember a lot of it, you know, being how I hadn't seen it in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that was a lie. I remember the whole movie. <laughs> he watched it and I was like, was it like you remembered it? He's like, oh, I remembered everything. Yeah. I just didn't realize it. <laughs> yeah, I watched it and I was like, I still remember this movie, uh, which isn't a bad thing. Right. You know what I mean? Which is actually a good thing to me because if it was... If I remember it, then it was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean? it was memorable. Yeah, um, I I did enjoy this movie though. I I just think it's an incredible movie. 
Oh, yeah. Like, it's anchored by such good performances. Right. James Caan does not get enough credit because of how good Kathy Bates is. Yeah. But I think that even just these moments of pain are so believable. And things like having to put on a mask for her, but you're also being yourself on the inside. Like, there's a lot of layers to this performance. Uh But Kathy Bates obviously steals the show. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else in this role, this film would not be anywhere near as iconic. Definitely. But it's just a great piece of filmmaking and a great film of suspense. Yes. Yeah, I'm not usually one, you know what I mean? I want to see some killing and slashing. (laughs) But this one, this is a good movie. Mm -hmm. There's no way around being like, oh, it's all right. No, it's it's a good movie. And I think it being so small, like there's such a small cast. Yeah. Yeah. I think that only helps it because when you have, well, you crunch the numbers, 90% of the film (laughs) 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 taking place in Paul's room. Yeah, it's a big risk. Yeah. I love this movie. I've seen it a hundred times. I will see it a hundred more times. I feel like what they took out of the novel and what they added, it all works for Mm me. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is if... Paul is slowly losing limbs in this room. Like this, this <laughs> movie kind of it shoots up. Right. Like it's, uh-huh. it's uh, it, we're dealing with something a little different here. And the addition of Buster in Virginia, I love them. Every oh, time yeah. they were on the screen, they're the fucking cutest thing yeah. ever. And it breaks because if it were just that level of tension the entire time, yeah. it's a lot. You it's gotta exhausting. break away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm fucking tired, man. <laughs> you gotta break away. Um, but as you said, the tension and the suspense is masterful. Like I've seen this so many times and still I'm like, Oh, Paul, get back in your room. Like (laughs) it's stressful. It's just expertly done. I can see Mm -hmm. why Stephen King was like, okay, y'all can do it, but you have to do it. Yeah. And it's funny because I read Rob Reiner was really just doing comedies at that time. I had told your sister who was I confusing him with? I don't know why. Ron Howard. Yeah. Oh, I don't I mean <laughs> they both started as actors on sitcoms. I was I was like, I don't know why. I kept thinking about it and then when I seen when I seen him and I was like, okay, I know that guy. I was like, I was thinking of the wrong He's thing. like, that's not who I was <laughs> yeah. thinking of. But still surprising. Yeah. yeah. But um I don't know, this movie is just fantastic. And I, I James Kahn is great and I cannot say enough about Kathy Bates. Oh, I mean yeah. just she embodies this character and she's so fucking scary in this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and in that scariness she manages to these moments of just sweetness or you know kind of awkwardness like she's not yeah. really used to being around people like it's just it's so there's so much substance to right, right. annie wilkes just why do i find myself feeling sympathy for exactly. her exactly and you shouldn't. I should not yeah. you shouldn't like I, it's just i feel like if she was in the book if she was just a bitch all the time yeah it would you wouldn't you know what i mean yeah. it wouldn't be as to me, anyway, it wouldn't be as impactful. It would just be like, oh, you're just a monster anyway. She's just scary. Yeah. Yeah. But that the way that she can kind of put it to the side and still, oh, misery's alive and spin in a circle. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it's just like, what the fuck am I dealing with? Yeah. What is this? <laughs> and I think part of that goes back to her research in attempting to For sure. get right. that oh, mindset. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they just crafted a, I mean, the character is perfect. Yeah. This yeah. is one of the best performances. Absolutely. I don't... Um, I, I'm not going to say that nobody else could have played Annie Wilkes, but we would not have gotten this Annie Wilkes from anyone. Oh, no. no. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's just incredible. But I guess we can go into ratings. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like we've kind of... I've kind of already said how I right. feel about it. <laughs> it's funny. I've been excited to do this movie since we started this show. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I'm so glad that it's finally here <laughs> and that I just can't say enough good about the performances. The, like you said, this could have been very, okay, we're still in the room. Like yeah. mm-hmm. I read that the crew was so excited when Paul got out because they could start <laughs> going <laughs> to <laughs> other places um, in the house. Uh-huh. It's like, fuck, we've been in this room for, that's fantastic. But uh, I just love this. And I, mm-hmm. I honestly wasn't, expecting to give it the score that i am but in the moment that i'm sitting at right now i can't think of giving it anything else just kathy bates really pushes it over the edge for me and the fact that i'm still so captivated i cannot stress how many times i've seen this fucking movie i really can't Mm -hmm. and it's still watching it and writing the script i'm nervous for Mm -hmm. paul i'm like is he gonna make it out this time (laughs) um but with all that being said on a scale of one to ten dirty birdies (laughs) I'm going to give Misery 10 out of 10 dirty birdies. All right. And I came to the table with the nine as we're talking. It's a yeah, 9.5. Yeah. I'm like, fuck it. The, for me, this movie's a 10. Mm-hmm. I right. mean, her head was hilarious. <laughs> <but> <laughs> there's nothing. I, I really wouldn't change anything about it. Right. But I will now open up the floor to y'all. Um, I, I haven't watched it a thousand times like you but i have seen it a, <laughs> you know what i mean i've seen it a few times i do really enjoy this movie uh like i said when i watched it when i was younger i was just oh man the lady's crazy <laughs> but watching it now it's like holy shit you get you the know, nuance yeah, and the- kinda, yeah. Mm-hmm. i understand a lot more and it's it i like i said i i'm not one for the waiting game you know what i mean yeah but this movie does such a good job And I realized that after a while, I was like, I'm like tense for this dude. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, well, what's going to happen? I know what's going to happen, but I'm still asking myself, well, fuck, is he going to make it? Yeah. Oh, you better hurry. You know what I mean? But I know what's going on. Uh, And the penguin, you're like, no, turn around. Oh, no. Yeah. I was like, oh, good catch. Oh, you put it fucked up. Yeah. But it, it it is a good movie and it did give me that, I guess, that part of me that's like, oh, you can like, oh. you know what I mean? Slow burn movies or suspenseful movies without all the, you know what I mean? The ghosts or the fucking <laughs> monsters or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? The gore, the kills. The, yeah. Um, because there was, yeah, there was, she did some fucked up shit. So oh, yeah. It was in a car accident and all that. But for the most part, I mean, there's not. It's not gore. Yeah. 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 Um, but. With all that said, on a scale from one to ten dirty birdies, I'm gonna give Misery a nine. Okay. I I will watch this movie again and then seeing it's always good, like when I came in here and I seen Ari watching The Shining by herself, uh-huh. I was like, oh, okay, you know yeah. what I mean? I was like, cool. Then when she sat next to me and then she little by little stopped doing all her shit, you know, the drawing on her tablet or whatever she was doing, and then just watched the movie with me. Yeah. And I think even at a point, Jackson had went in there and he was like, what the <laughs> fuck? And then Ari's like, don't look. Oh, it was the hobbling scene. Oh, oh yeah. And Ari was like, don't look, Jackson. And he was like, what is she going to do to him? And they watched and he was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I was like, I was like, wow! I was like, well, some shit's happening. Yeah. Um, but you know what I mean. It's a good movie. It doesn't matter. Obviously, from what I've seen, the age people are, you're gonna stop and yeah, what's that's happening? How, you know that's what I mean? It's like, what's going on? Engrossing here? it yeah, is. Yeah, and it is. You get sucked into it. How sub submerging? Oh yeah. God. <laughs> <laughs>
I I can agree more with everything yeah. that's been said. The only thing I wanted to add is because we've said a lot about the performances. Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about the cinematography. Yeah. Oh yeah. That I thought was really incredible, especially the random angles, the pressing in, right. yes. the dolly shots. I I loved all of that, and just for the fact that it is perfectly paced. It is. Yeah, I think that's what helped it because it, it, not at one time was I kind of like, oh man, hurry up. Right. You know what I mean? There's not a moment where you're bored. Right. Not at all. Um, I genuinely, I racked my brain trying to come up with a negative. The only thing, and it's nitpicky, I was like, why is the phone gutted out? Yeah. <laughs> that's all. You know, <laughs> I still want to know that too. Because yeah. it had a cord to it as yeah. well. What so I was like, fuck? what's happening? But I mean, that's it. If that's the only thing I can think of, then fucking hell. You know what I mean? Yeah. You did a great job. Yeah. So I think with that, I literally, I came to the table with a 9.5, but I have no choice but to give Misery out of 10 Dirty Birdies, 10 hey. Dirty Birdies out of 10. And I know I said at the beginning, I don't watch this enough, but I'm going to try to rectify that. Yeah. No, it's it was good. Like I said, I sat there and there was a few times that I was... I would pause and I'm like, I know I should be saying something, but I'm, <laughs> I'm like, just watching yeah, it. I'm yeah. Like, fuck. <laughs> and it is a good movie. And like I said, they both stopped and were like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and you just sit there and you want to watch it. And like I said, for me, it's good because I'm not one for the slow burn or the suspense, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Too much and not enough gore. I want to see some people get, you know what I mean? Cut up here and there. So that just speaks to it, though. Right. Yeah, I yeah, know. That's what yeah. I'm, that's, I guess that's what I'm getting at. It's, like, <laughs> it's a good move. Yeah. The hobbling helped, I'm sure. Yes. Yeah. Like, all right. There's, He's like, all right. No, yeah, yeah. There it is. He's you like, brought that, me back. That, that'll get me through the rest of the <laughs> Well, that's all from us at Podmortem. What would you rate Misery and what should we watch next? Let us know on Twitter at the Podmortem. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. Make sure to follow each of us on Twitter at Blood and Smoke, at RealStreeter84, and at TravisMWH. Please consider pledging to our Patreon and stay tuned until after the music for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. And remember, while there's nothing wrong with loving what you love, sometimes there's a very thin line between fandom and obsession. Until next time. Thank you for staying tuned for a special shout out to our Wendigo Getter patrons. Ooh, yeah. 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 Our cockadoodie. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a special thank you to Chris Ontiveros, Kristen Lofton, Megan Martinez, Kimberly Bass, Melanie Van Houston, Sophie Hodson, Anthony Jerome M., Jordan Nash, Kent Morton, Guy54, Lala Thomas, Travis Anissa Hunter, Miguel Myers ATX, Mandy, Jennifer Perez, Pierre Lombard, Allison O'Neill, Carissa, TJ Bronson, Gabrielle Trevino, Spooky Mom, Andy Teague, Applin Ontiveros, Karima Rhodes, Antonio Huerta, Kimberly Kleindienst, Will Brown, Linda, Sydney Smith, Osvaldo Soto, Jonathan Booth, Bobby Holmes, Donna Eason, JD Rizak, Molly Gerhardt, Armand Spasto, Aaron Aguirre, Eggie, William Barry, Brittany, Charity Oxner, Amanda Six, Mandy Rainwater, Garrett Rogers, Jordan Roberts, and Danielle Peralta. Thank you all so, so much.
Thank you. Yes, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Are you a novel man? (laughs) It's going to sound like I have a cold, but your support is truly hobbling. (laughs) (laughs) I just have to say that for all that you do for us, please never forget that we are your number one fans. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) That used to be sweet. (laughs) (laughs) That used to be sweet. (laughs) Until next time.